Hey there. Um, wanted to cut in here uh, at the very start of this massive Witcher saga to thank everybody who has gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv uh, and kicked us a couple of bucks a month. It really makes it easier slash possible for us to do these gigantic games like this. Um, so if you haven't gone there and looked at it, consider just going and seeing the reward scheme. Uh, it's a cliche, but even, um, like a dollar or so makes a huge difference for us. Um, I, I feel like I've said huge difference like five times now. Um, <laughs> if everybody who listens gave just $1, uh, we would be able to do this show full time, uh, which is crazy. Uh, so once again, patreon.com slash TV, consider giving it a shot. Um, uh, here's time number six makes a huge difference. There we go. This is Gary Butterfield. This is Cole Ross. And this is Watch Out for Fireballs. That is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about The Witcher 3. This month we're talking about The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, which is an open world RPG developed by CD Projekt Red for the PS4, Xbox One, and PC in 2015. We're finally getting around to what was widely considered Game of the Year. Yes. Two years ago. <laughs> um let's get some stuff out of the way. Cause this is a weird thing for, I mean, not that weird of a thing for us to cover. Like we've done the three fallouts. We've done Morrowind and yes. stuff. This is on a different scale. <laughs> um, so this is uh, in the winter. We like to do a, a Western RPG because they're long and it just kind of makes sense to, to hunker down. Um, but this is the game, the biggest game we've done for the, the show. So the, the, the completionist number, which like we've uh, like, I beat this game. And I've not come, did not do the completionist mm -hmm. route. Uh, puts at 165 hours. No, um, that feels really high to me because all the only of thing those is, feel very high. I don't know what's actually thrown into that number. Uh, Gwent. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's yeah. got to be Gwent, and it's got to be um, Gwent, and then all the scavenger hunts. Yeah, clearing the map. So, yeah, yeah, those are the things that I, I didn't do, which we'll talk about kind of disclaimers in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but my my clock was at, you know north of 80 hours, which is a very long game for for this for yeah. the show. And if I if I go back and look, like I put seventy hours into Morrowind, uh, probably total across New Vegas, uh, put about sixty five in. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is still the largest game by time investment and uh, dare I say by real estate and density. Yeah, <laughs> that we and, and one of one of the differences is we're not uh, book reporting it. Right. Um, in the past, when we've done these, we've split up quests and guilds and all that jazz. Um, we're both just going whole hog into it. Yeah, I'm not giving uh, Gary anything to do exclusively. <laughs> yeah, because because that's that's the other spoiler is that um, like this is this is the best game I played this year. Oh, this is so um, good. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it, this is I I was wrong to sleep on this, and people were listening. They're like, "Oh, didn't you cover this for Check It Out, Comrade?" We did. We did. Uh, I played the first like 20 hours of it, mm -hmm. 
and talked about it then. I was like, man, I love this. I can't wait to get back to it. And then promptly didn't because, uh, you know, when you play video games for work, like you go and you play the video games you have to play for work sometimes. Yeah. So I didn't get uh, into it. So this is a, a good excuse to finally get into it. And I'm really, really glad we did. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, uh, this is this is superb uh, on, yeah. in pretty much every single regard. <laughs> So yes. uh, get ready for us to talk just ridiculous amounts of sugar about yeah. uh, about this as like an exemplar of the genre. And some people don't like this game. Um, you know, when we have a game, we have the Slack network. If you go to patreon.com slash DuckVTV, uh, you can join it. And people talk about the games we're doing and talk about things eventually. And this is was weird for a game that is so widely, you know, award winning and renowned. It was weirdly contentious. Um, there are people who really have a problem with this. Um, if you're looking, if that's what you want, if you're look, looking for, you know, it's finally time for those those waff boys to to tear down the sacred cow and stuff. Like, I, that's not going to happen here. If you like, you press me. I, there's a couple things I think are a little less than ideal uh, with this game, but I, for the most part, I'm really enamored with it. Um, I, I don't. This is not going to be a, a critical smash, smashing. Uh, you know, destroying thing. Hopefully, it's a critical smash. Hopefully, we, we sweep the bodies. But it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be, uh, you know, a takedown. So if you're expecting that, just know that we're coming to this. We both are real real positive on it. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I would even say I'm over the moon about it, and I hope that we can make a make a case for it without just kind of fawning. Um, yeah, yeah. We don't we don't do the the Chris Farley show shit. So right. like, we will tell you why. Like, I feel very comfortable telling you why I think this game is incredible. Right. Um, just letting you know, though, if you're like, man, I couldn't handle it because you know I didn't like how there are all those question marks on the map. Like that did not bother me, uh, <laughs> and I'm not. You know, we'll talk about it, but it's that's not like a, a damning point, I guess. Right. No. So, um, pig like this, you don't eat all at once. Um, mm -hmm. and we have to split this up uh, into multiple episodes. We actually borrowed a week from November to do, uh, to, 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 to do this justice. Uh, can you, can, Gary, remember back in the summer when, when, when we were like, oh, let's throw the expansions in too. Yeah. Yeah. That was originally the plan was to do all like the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. Um, and the reason why is because the reputation is so good. Yes. Like everyone says like, Hey, if you think that's really good wait until you play the expansions they'll blow your mind and yeah, it's like I, I do i do think this is really good <laughs> you know, like you mean you can get better than that holy shit yeah. um but we're going to be dedicating the entire month of december plus one week in november to uh the uh main game now this first episode is going to cover the generalities of the game because it's a very intricate game mechanically mm -hmm. um and maybe some of the prologue if there's time Please be patient with us because we are going to play it fast and loose a little bit. Maybe that prologue is going to slip into the uh, into the next episode. Yeah, we don't know exactly what it looks like to cover a game like this no. because there is just so much content. And one of the big difference, one of the reasons why this is so incredible is it doesn't feel right to skim over a lot of it because the primary strength of this game is making things in video games that are boring, not boring. Right. Which like people who have listened to me talk know that's very important to me. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's what kills you know, a lot of a lot of video games just are repetitive, like go do this, go collect the 10 things. You know, it is it is amazing. You know, this is getting not into wrap up thoughts, but just like it, it's related to this. I promise mm -hmm. the, um, you know, playing this and then trying to play it, one of its contemporaries, like playing something like Dragon Age Inquisition, where somebody literally asked me to go collect 10 herbs, mm -hmm. you know, and like, oh, we need herbs for for this thing. Go get 10 of them. And then playing this is such a stark contrast. And because this is such an order of magnitude more respectful of me <laughs> i want to be an order of magnitude more respectful of it respectful of it mm -hmm. which means like you know with these little monster quests and things we want to talk about because they're neat mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we're going to spend, you know, 10 minutes on every monster quest because then the show would never end. <laughs> but we are going to say, like, you know, what the cool twist is and which way it subverts your expectations or which way, you know, this little tiny short story goes because they're all really cool. Yeah. Uh, what that means is, um, unlike when we've covered uh, New Vegas or covered, you know, Morrowind or things like that, there it's going to be a lot harder to gloss over things that happen. Right. Uh, so that's that structure. So dedicating an episode to just covering kind of generalities and things you're going to be doing over and over and over is going to make the following episodes tenable. Um, you know, if we explain exactly how a monster nest works now, later we can say on your way there, there's a monster nest that you take care of. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's useful to kind of set terms. Yes. Uh, in this episode, we are establishing a, vo- a vocabulary because nothing in this game feels perfunctory. Nothing feels like it was done by rote. Right. And mm-hmm. so like it's it's kind of strange to come to something that in a lot of ways feels very familiar, but kind of be prompted to engage with it as though you're doing it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's the first episode. We'll see how far we get. Um, the second episode, regardless of what we do now, um, is going to be roughly the first half of the main quest, uh, probably getting into when you go to the second major map, Skellige. The second region um maybe 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 not who knows <laughs> yeah i mean that that's the first act of this game is very long yes so in in acts they get shorter as you go right um so but we might do the first act mm-hmm. in part two that's that's the thinking uh part three we might do the end game which there's a lot to talk about uh and then cover the kind of smaller side stuff which is witcher contracts uh which are monster hunts all of which are really neat and i had a lot of fun with mm-hmm. but are not quite as meaty as actual side quests right um, and those side quests, the secondary quests, will be the topic for the final episode for part four um, uh, of, of our series here. Uh, and this will include uh, we're bringing in, we're bringing in a ringer for Gwent because neither of us engage with that. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, you know, and we're not exactly sure who that's going to be yet. I want to find somebody to because we can talk about the rules of it, but I want somebody who did the quest because I was looking at it today and like. There's actually stuff with those too. Yeah. Like you, 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 go into, you go into tournaments and there's interesting things there. It just wrapped around a card game. I don't like that much. Right, right. Um, you know, it, it probably like if it, you, you know, again, you put a gun to my head. You have to choose one thing I don't like about this game. It's Gwent. Yeah. Um, you know, Gwent's and, and there, there are people listening to this who are like going nuts by yeah, you saying Gwent, that. Gwent maniacs, yeah. you know. Um, and I get that like maybe once you get a little further into it, it gets better, mm-hmm. you know, and get, gets interesting. But I just didn't. Uh, that wasn't the rhythm I played the game. No, uh, like it. It makes sense. Like a lot of people who enjoy this game, when I've read about it online, it is like a chill out game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea of just like stopping at the blacksmith and playing a, a round of cards made a lot of sense for me. I was so eager to see what surprises it had for me yeah. that I kind of, you know, it's very rare to take it like have a breathless eighty hours <laughs> unless you're giving birth to triplets. You know, and like and this was something where like. I just wanted to see what the next cool little narrative thing was. I didn't want to like just, you know, ride around on my horse, admire the scenery or anything like that. Yeah. Both of us were pretty eyes on the prize <clears throat> and, and not because of doing it for the show. Like I beat right. this a while back. Like I had plenty of time. Mm-hmm. I did it because that was what made sense. Like this just consumed my, my gaming life for, you know, a month. Yeah. And, uh, and I was very happy to be consumed. Yes. Um, <laughs> that's funny out of context. Divorce. Uh, yep. And a force. Yeah. yeah exactly. Just in case anybody wants to complete that out of context <laughs> quotes for me, um, <laughs> I was very happy to be consumed dot, dot, dot parentheses sick, you know, <laughs> dot, 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 in a force sense, Gary Butterfield, 1980, probably like what? 20, 
2040. <laughs> 2045 maybe something like that i don't know uh, gary that makes me sad um, <laughs> um so man these guys they're gonna get up here and talk about the witcher 3 without talking about those expansions where do they get off um we're gonna do them in 2018 oh yeah but we're gonna fit them in <laughs> so don't worry and those will just be one episode each probably yeah and it'll be a weird thing because you'll more or less like be required to have heard this one to really yeah, get yeah. those, you know, because uh, we're not going to talk about the systems again, even though they do add new, new, you know, spell, new abilities and stuff. Right. Um, when you do the expansions. Um, so look, I'm you know looking forward to that. I'm going to play them early so I can avoid any kind of spoilers or anything like that. But those will happen sometime in 2018 when we have time. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, not in the first quarter. So we can take a little break. But probably in kind of spring and summer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh, Gary, the clock has started. Somebody's going to be running at you with, oh, but there's... Yeah, please don't. <laughs> I, I, I really like this, and I do not want to have it spoiled for me. Yeah. Um, we'll have a listener response episode, as, as mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, or as we usually do. So if you have anything to say about The Witcher 3, but I don't want your fucking response thoughts yet, please don't spoil anything <laughs> Or your for expansion me. thoughts. Expansion, expansion thoughts. What did I say? Response thoughts? Yeah, you said Jesus response Christ. thoughts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like a Scientologist. Like I'm L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> we know your response thoughts before joining up to the to the to the group uh, group collaboration. Yeah, and then yeah. yeah. Um. So uh, by December fifteenth, uh, send those in to duckfeed.tv/contact. Yes. So with all of that out of the way, we can dive into The Witcher three. Um, man, it was really hard to put these notes together. Uh, this is, this is very strange. The, the way scope of this, this is very intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> right? so, I didn't play, you know, I didn't play it after we covered it for the Witcher. And I understand people who haven't played this game just because it is like a life taking, you know, it, it, it takes over. Like it is a yeah. big project. Like if it was even just a play, if it was just a huge story, that would be a completely different thing. We're used to that. Yeah. This is so mechanically daunting. <laughs> like, except, yeah, like, it, like you know, it, like it's not, um, you know, unfriendly. Like, you can approach this and get into it. There's just so much and so much that fits together and works in these weird little gadget gigaw kind of ways. It's, um, yeah, it's 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 a long road to hoe. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And we've never covered anything with the series, and it is a major, uh, you know, Western role playing game series. Yeah. Which means that we have, uh, you know. There are a lot of just kind of things we have to set, yeah, uh, right from the start. So there, there's a uh, there's a deficit. Have you played The Witcher games before? I have played. Uh, I looked at my play clock and was shocked to find that I have somehow played 40 hours of The Witcher one. Oh Jesus! While not getting past Act two, <laughs> um, which is they're both on my list. I'm going to go back to both of those now that I am fully invested in this character and world. Yes, um, and force myself through. Um, the Witcher one is very clumsy. Yeah. Um, I've only played the uh, first couple hours of the Witcher two, but then my psychosis where I was like, I should really go back and play the first one. Yeah. Like yeah. got in my head and, and I stopped. Yeah. Um, so we should, you know, br- I bring that up because we are talking about the third game in the series and we are going to be covering, uh, some of the premise here, uh, understand, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't read the books and we, you know, don't know exactly all the history. Extend us a little bit of grace if we get a particular detail wrong. Um, well, the, also, this it, this can extend to you, too. People, somebody asked me on Twitter, they're like, hey, Witcher 3, can I play it without playing the first two? Like, absolutely. Yes. Like, you you can, if you're, you know, you can pick up things through context clues. Yeah, they explain. Uh, they, they actually do it very conscientiously. Yeah, they, they explain. Um, I also, I started reading the first novel, and maybe we'll go back to it, but I found the prose pretty stilted and, and not great. Mm-hmm. Um, people tell me it's very good. So yeah. maybe I will go back to it. But 
maybe by the time we record the fourth episode of this, I can do a five minute, a type five on the book. Yeah. Yeah. I've but, started, like I started on the, uh, the short story collection is the one mm, that I started on. Yeah. Yeah. Probably smart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we should talk about, uh, who the witcher is, what a witcher is and, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, kind of Geralt's whole steez, right? You know, the main character yes. is Geralt of Rivia, the white wolf and a master witcher. Yes. Um, a witcher, if you don't know, is a, and not to be confused with a witch hunter, which right. like literally an NPC does that in this game, <laughs> um, is a, a special kind of monster hunter. Um, you roam the world and you take on contracts essentially to kill monsters. Right. Um, very rarely do you get involved in other things and take other kinds of jobs. Um, and when you, you know, when you do part of the messaging, my understanding is that when you get involved in those things, it's usually bad news. Right. Right. So, but of course you do because it's a game and there's drama. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like the adventure of, you know, the, the 80 hour epic tale of going and killing a, a griffin, <laughs> right. you know, it's, it's a, you do get involved, but for the most part, that is your job. Right. Um, and the interesting thing about witchers is that they are uh, outcasts, um, not because of what they do, because they, you know, it's necessary. Everybody wants monsters to be hunted. Um, but mostly because of how their bodies have changed. Uh, and they've been mutated and trained to make them perfect at hunting monsters. Yes. So um, by and so, large, the entire population is really suspicious of magic. Like this is one of those fantasy settings where mages are treated as witches, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and witches are kind of seen as being alongside that. They're not to be trusted, you know, because yes. of their cat eyes and the fact that they can see in the light. And, you know, who knows? They just move yeah, from dark. town to town. Yeah. I can see in the light. Cool. People oh. trust me. Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but the um. Yeah. They're they're literally called mutants. Yeah. You know. Uh. Because they they are mutated. Mm-hmm. Um. So Witcher Three very is very friendly. Uh. To people who are new to this series. Um. If the the console version has a, a file save and porting, uh. Via some kind of quick questions in the prologue, um. That you do that kind of simulates a save and that's optional as well. Mm-hmm. Um. Whether you want to simulate a Witcher Two save because. There are plot elements, you know, characters that will be alive or dead based on whether you played uh, the second one. Yes. Um, and then, like I said, the game is very conscientious. Uh, you know, you can ask for more information. Like somebody will say, oh, so-and-so is here. Wait, who is so-and-so? And it's usually hand-waved as, hand-waved as like, oh, Gerald, you have, a, you have amnesia. You used to have amnesia. Your memory's not great. Yeah, yeah. Um, or they, they, sometimes they will, they will literally just, the, you'll say, who is that? And then the way that Gerald will present it is much more elegant. Yes. Like Garrett will present a fact about it and then the other character will expand on it in a way that feels very natural. Yeah. Um, the codex in this game is actually excellent. That's so good. Uh, as well. Like it is, it is well written and interesting and mm-hmm. is updated as things change mm-hmm. in the world. Um, so I found myself spending a lot of time with that. Yeah. Which to, to kind of know the movers and shakers. Anybody who has listened to previous episodes of the show know how much I like codexes and how much Gary despises them. That right there is fucking remarkable that Gary spent yeah. time on that. I, I like it. Like it's a really good codex. <laughs> it doesn't waste my fucking time. I know, right? Yeah. And it's not cre- it's not uh again, this is right, wrong, or whatever. There's I'm gonna spend some time contrasting this with Bioware because Bioware is the other Bioware and Bethesda both, because they're mm-hmm. both the people who are in this playground, right? Yep. And like a bunch of things that this game does well are lessons I would love other companies to, to learn. Um, and that this is one of them. Yes. Where, uh, in dragon age, um, even the ones I like, like not even inquisition, but the ones I like, you spend a lot of time collecting codexes for minor XP things. And then when you read them, I want to shoot myself because they're super boring. (laughs) Right. Um, here, there aren't that many, 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's just the major things. Yeah. Uh, and it is just written, you know, better. Right. Like it is, it is more compellingly written. There's a voice to it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't read like an, an encyclopedia. It it reads the same way the narrator reads, which is, uh, I believe that there's a thing that implies, like one of the loading screens implies that the narrator is dandelion. Mm-hmm. Um, well after the fact, telling the story. Right. Thing. So there's a voice to it. Like it reads like like literature, like it reads like a book. It doesn't read like reading a dictionary, which is what codexes are usually asking you to do. Right. And it prioritizes you know? uh, the most relevant and useful information. <laughs> yeah. Know, which is yeah. Uh, which is infinitely valuable. So yeah. don't don't be afraid to use the codex or look something up. Right. And even if you don't feel like you need to, like you should read every codex entry on monsters because this game includes a really really awesome monsters manual like just in the middle of it like a really really fun read monsters manual no big deal (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. and it's useful yep like and there will be things that are actually useful to you tactically and mechanically Mm -hmm. within there so that's that is also a big deal yeah so that codex is really useful you know not just because you might be working with two games worth of canon that you're not familiar with um you know the world of the witcher is pretty complex you know it is kind of this uh, middle to low fantasy uh, k- kind of boilerplate a little bit. But, you know, there's an active history that's pulled from the games and also from the books. You know, this is from a, a series of books by a Polish author, Andrzej Sapkowski, um, Sapkowski rather, um, mm-hmm. you know, and that codex plus the dialogue goes out of its way to explain, um, you know, at least what's relevant and why you should care about somebody or, you know, uh, give you enough information to make a choice at different parts of the uh, of the story. Yes, and and something that I came to that that is related uh, to that a little bit um, is that the uh, as much as this is kind of a boilerplate fantasy thing, possibly because of where this was was written, mm-hmm. you know, and because it it does have it's it's less generic than it immediately seems. Right, like it's not you know Morrowind. <laughs> like it is not that imaginative a world. And if you just take a screenshot of it, it just looks like mud huts and, you know, dark ages, medieval genericness. But there is weirdness there. Yeah. Um, That I think a lot of it comes from this slightly off, you know, and to, to me, it's a perspective. The Eastern European perspective on fantasy isn't something yes. we get an awful lot. It's not the same thing as like Game of Thrones. Right. You know, it is not, uh, you know, it's not Tolk- Tolkienian. Mm hmm. You know, Tolkienians uh, is it uh, Tolkienian? Uh, Tolkienesque. Tolkienesque. Yeah, it is not that. So even though it immediately, if that puts you off, I, and it puts people off even after playing it, so I understand. Mm-hmm. But to me, like it eventually started feeling like a lot more rich than a a actual boilerplate mm-hmm. kind of fantasy yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I I framed it that way so we could subvert it later because the devil is in the details. Yeah. Uh, with that and um you know this game does you know this world subverts a lot about about fantasy yes. um which is generally a setting that can kind of take or leave no and it's yeah. a fantasy it's a, a setting i love mm-hmm. and it's really neat to see it kind of reimagined yeah yeah so um another thing that makes this a little bit more amenable to people who are new to the games is that the driving force of the game's plot is uh, basically a, a character who was really, really a minor player in the first two, uh, this young woman named Siri. Also, it may be worthwhile for you to turn off that uh, auto, the, like the, the, the voice control function on your phones if you use an iPhone, because we're going to be saying the name Siri an awful lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're going to talk about uh, Siri playing the latest hits by the Black Eyed Peas. 
and we're going to talk about Siri saying, "What song is this?" Uh, <laughs> which is weird. She says it a lot. It's it's a real interesting twist on fantasy. I know. Right? Um, and Siri ordering like crates of toilet paper and things like that. Right. So, just so you know that if you do have Siri on, Siri's <laughs> going to do a lot of things that she does in the book or in the game. Right. Uh, also, to you in real life. Yeah, it's an ARG. Yeah, because you because you invited the Apple spy into your house. <laughs> the um, the. I, I don't know how much I actually think that, but it is it is a thing that I, I do think, you know, you know, proud of it, but it is something I think about from time to time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and mostly it's a bit to tease you, but oh, it's no, also I something I, I mildly. That's worth thinking about. about. Yeah. Yeah. And Siri, you know, it's not a big part of the, the games, but is a, a character from the books. Mm-hmm. You know, so even if you play the games, you won't really know Siri. I think that Siri might be mentioned, but apparently is a, a much bigger character in the books and is yeah. very important. Geralt, uh, which we'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, because your 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 main goal is to find and protect this woman. Yes. Um, you raised her as a daughter, trained her as a witcher, though she hasn't been through the mutations yet. Right. Um, so even though, you know, during the game you get to play as her and she's fucking unstoppable, um, <laughs> this is for other reasons. Yes. Yeah. Um, Siri is special because she carries the elder blood. Um, you know, she has these vast but kind of uncontrolled and maybe uncontrollable magical powers uh, and can travel through time and space and even between worlds. um so so that's her and you you just kind of have to the game sells it uh your connection to her but not through kind of prologue or anything like that no it is you know the the game is about it and in everything you do Mm -hmm. you know it it is there yeah um and you know the game is called witcher 3 the wild hunt uh because siri is on the run from a force called the wild hunt um the wild hunt is this band of warriors and beasts from another plane who want to harness the power of her blood and bring about the end times yes um there's a little bit more to it than that. Uh-huh. And you learn about the wild hunt uh, as you play through the game. But that is the premise. Yeah. That's how it's uh, depicted at the very start as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this is important to me because I'm always going to be down for a story where the where the pri- the main character and your point of view character are different. You know, yeah. like <laughs> Geralt is not the chosen one whose life is guided by prophecy. No, you're following in her footsteps. You're investigating. You're trying to find her, and you're trying to help her. Yeah, it'd be like if something more interesting was happening to Bosch, and Van didn't suck. <laughs> like, imagine that. You know, so everyone like is always just like, oh, like Bosch is actually the main character of that game. No, Ashes, you know, uh, Ashes. Sorry, yeah, Ashes is what I, is what I meant. So imagine if something Ash had a more interesting story, and Vaughn wasn't like, you know, it's terrible, yeah, terrible to spend time with. <laughs> so that, that's what it is, and there's. A lot of like little bits of role playing in this this game, you mm-hmm. know, as you kind of follow in your footsteps and, and help her. And it's very like I found it very satisfying and selling that relationship to make my choices be, you know, at every given turn protecting like her sanctity and, and autonomy. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of forces are trying to make choices for her and you being this kind of thing that's like, no, she's going to choose for herself. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to protect her from these outside influences. Yeah. Like, you know, not in the way, not in a like, creepy way, you know, <laughs> but in, in a, just like. No one's going to manipulate her. Like she gets to make her own choice. Yeah. Or you can fail and do it for her and kind of like fail as a father figure, fail at fail at being a person who, uh, you know, helps her be her own person. Like this is a very good exploration of, you know, the parent child relationship. Right. And it's very fashionable to kind of bag on dad games right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is like a, you know, there is a dad name. Like that's been a, a buzzword for a couple of years. And uh, that is a, a movement in games, mm-hmm. you know, as people who make them kind of grow up and people who play them kind of grow up. Um, this is such a great articulation of it. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is uh, 
kind of writ large, like I, I really like the last of us, you know, right, wrong, whatever. Like I think that game is really good. Yep. Um, I know not everybody's a fan and I like that aspect of it a lot. Yeah. Like I like the, the relationship that's central to that game. It's the same way here, just mapped onto a different game and a bigger experience with kind of bigger stakes. Yes. Um, and when you, uh, it is a testament to the game when you do make those choices that are, uh, patronizing and wrong, um, they're believable mm-hmm. and good. Um, you know, there's a point where I literally near the end where I could say like, this isn't my story. It's series story, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but the other options all felt like they were well-intentioned, Yeah, you know? So it, it's the kind of thing you could believe him making the mistake of, of doing that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's uh ridiculously nuanced in that regard, Yes. <laughs> you know? So you are not the prophesied one. You are not, you know, chosen in any way, aside from the fact that you have these mutations and you are incredibly good at what you do. Geralt's life is unglamorous. He has to work. You spend a good amount of this game working um, to, you know, to yeah. make your way to, you know, to, to get funds to do what you need, you know, and the work that he does and the people that he helps are all part of this. Um, not unrelentingly bleak and shitty medieval fantasy world because there are def- there's a definite disparity for how people are doing dependent on where they live. Um, yeah. But you know, uh, kind of a hallmark of this series and of this of the, of this setting for The Witcher is that uh, you know just eh, it's the bad stuff about medi- about medieval life. <laughs> it's it's a low fantasy game. Yeah. So it it is uh, you know, most people are not wealthy or well off and struggle to live. Yeah. And since this, you know, is a is a fantasy world that is at least partially, even though it's a little bit more nuanced than that, uh partially modeled on like Dark Ages, you know, Europe. Right. Uh what that meant was a lot of like small villages and mud huts and stuff. Yeah. If you're you unclear know? on this on the distinction between high and low fantasy, high fantasy nobody poops. Low fantasy poop is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's more or less true. I think it's specifically is about magic but like yes that too <laughs> as well um you know but how how rare magic is so like right. there's the you know i always think of this in D D terms and you have something like um eberron you know where there are like magic powered golems and trains and stuff like that like that is a high fantasy setting yeah and then you have something like greyhawk where like wizards are rare and kind of scary mm-hmm. uh you know and that is closer to low fantasy yeah like nothing in D is low fantasy right and, and you know someone is going to cite some kind of dragon magazine appendix or something <laughs> at me. But like for the most part, right. D and D is pretty high fantasy, but the, um, that is the, I think the definition difference as well as the shit that yeah, you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's also just like walk in. How bad does this area smell? Right. Right. You know, and that's a uh, low fantasy smells bad. Pretty bad. Smells pretty, which, bad. you know, a lot of people don't like that either. You know, mm-hmm. they, that, that kind of like that bleakness, but this is also, uh, in terms of generalities, like I'm gonna point out, this is like a pretty funny game. <laughs> it's so um, funny. Like when it when it is humorous, like Geralt ended up being a very like he's like one of my favorite video game characters. And part of it is he's got some of that J.C. Denton appeal where he is funny in spite of himself, mm-hmm. you know, but it feels more on purpose than J.C. Denton did sometimes. Yeah. You know, I love J.C. Denton, but like <laughs> Geralt, like there's part there's scenes in this that are laugh out loud funny that are meant to be like it is mm-hmm. not all relentless bleakness. No, no. And you eventually end up really liking a lot of the characters that you find. You know, this isn't a game that is, you know, full of just ne'er do wells. You know, the villains are yeah. definitely villains, but like it's not uh, it's not complicated in that way. Yeah. And then the heroes are, are also definitely heroes. Like even the people who have their own motivations, you know, allies who betray you and and the like, 
their motivation is never like to evil. Mm-hmm. You know, usually they're well-intentioned uh, people, mm-hmm. you know, and you can understand it. So like the characters that you spend a lot of time with are all like, you know, very sympathetic, good characters mm-hmm. in this, uh, you know, so it is not just like, what if everyone was shitty? Right. You know, um, so let's talk about uh, character customization, uh, not in terms of like necessarily build, uh, but in terms of like creating your your guy and what that does to this game right. or not creating your guy in this game. <laughs> yes. The case may be. Yeah, because that is a way that this game really kind of veers off course from its cousins in the genre. Like we've mentioned before, Elder Scrolls and Dragon Age, right? Yes. You play as Geralt. <laughs> yes. Um you know, and because of that, you don't play as a cipher, right? So, like, when you play Dragon Age or Elder Scrolls games, um, there's a huge premium on creating your own guy. Um, in Elder Scrolls, you're 100% a cipher. In Dragon Age, you tend to more or less be a cipher. Yeah. Um, you know, a voiced cipher uh, who um, is presented as a character, but, you know, pretty much everything about him or her um, is uh, determined by you and your input. Yes. And the 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 biggest difference that this this takes is that in those games it feels like your character was created from nothing, mm-hmm. and pops into this world, whereas uh, you know so it reflects more on the player, right? right. Like so, if you play Dragon Age, you get to choose uh, you know who you want to be friends with, who you don't want to be, um, who you want to bone with, um, especially in in Dragon Age you mm-hmm. know games, um, and what kind of moral positions you can take, and it kind of creates your guy from scratch. Uh, in The Witcher Three, you're always Geralt. Um, you can kind of change some things about about him, and you still get to choose what Geralt is like. Mm-hmm. But there's a tighter bounding box, uh, which is, you know, can to some can be a downside. The upside of it is that he belongs in this world and has a history and context with everything in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't feel like you were literally born yesterday. Right. Um, which is how every, you know, and I should probably get this out of the way sooner than later. Like, I really, really liked... Uh, the first two Dragon Age games, like I like those games a lot, mm-hmm. um, played them. And I really, really liked all three Elder Scrolls games I've played. Mm-hmm. Like I have fun with those games. I don't think they're bad games. Um, but it always feels like you're born out of nothing. And that's so weird, <laughs> you know, and then you you have characters coming in and just asking you to go, you know, kill, get 10 pelts for nothing. Mm-hmm. And this game just doesn't have that suspension of disbelief, you know, where you have to, you don't have to make that suspension of disbelief with that. Right. You know, yeah. Um, so yeah, so you choose you choose what kind of girl you want. Yeah, you um, know, you know within w- within a certain bounds. Like you're you're always going to be a professional killer who you know acts uh, kind of professionally and solves problems pragmatically. You know, you're Wolverine, right? Yeah, it is a really excellent Wolverine simulator. I, I stole that um, point from you, but I wanted to make sure it got in the notes, and it just happened in our ping pong that we got there. But I, yeah. that, that I said it, but that is totally your observation, and that is actually informed my read on Geralt. <laughs> So it, it's a, it's really, it's, um, the best Wolverine simulator since the wolf among us, Yeah, you know, which is also, you know, I played that as Wolverine as well. Um, yeah. and good Wolverine, not shitty Wolverine, like the best <laughs> way Wolverine can be. Right. <laughs> um, so I just, it's just worth noting that it's still up to you. So like the biggest part of it that I felt like I was deciding was mm-hmm. how cold Geralt was, Yes. you know, whether that was a shield, you know, that they put up, whether even just the, the deadening of emotions that the Witcher mutations do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ambiguous whether that is true or if that's something they say. Right. You know, and in my version of like my version of Geralt is a real softy. Yeah. You know, you can't present as such, 
mm-hmm. you know, because they're, they're, you're hated, right? Like in this <laughs> world, but you are a real softie similar to yeah. Wolverine. Like mm-hmm. Wolverine has, has, is a huge, huge, you know, mush ball. Yeah. Um, and, and I play my Geralt as just intensely loyal. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to the... which is also like a, a valid thing. So you have, you do, don't think you don't have choices because you have a, a set character. Yes. You, you know, know, it is still a Western RPG in that respect, as opposed to, you know, like a Japanese style, like when you're, when you're Cecil, there's always one Cecil because mm-hmm. everything happens the same way. Right. Having it, this is a compromise between literally being a cipher that was born yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, that you just, the, whatever the player feels like doing is what, what happens. And, you know, Cecil's story. Right. There's a girl's story, but you have a lot of choice within that story. Right. And even though you don't get a lot of say in who your Geralt is, um, there are still a tremendous number of consequences for the choices that you make. You know, you're yeah. managing how you handle situations as opposed to how you manage yourself. Right. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. that that can say a lot about your version of, uh, of Geralt. Yeah. You know, like whether you would do this, how you'd react in this situation. Yeah. You know, um, there's some of those choices are timed as well, which I like quite a bit. Like, this is a good use of it because it's not every choice. Right. It's not Telltale. Oh, if it was um, every choice, that'd be so bad. <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be very frustrating. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's it's some some choices where time does seem like it's narratively a factor. Mm-hmm. You have to make a gut check to see, like, what would my Geralt do? And I always had an instinctual feeling based on everything I'd played up until this point, what my Geralt would do. Yes. You know? Yeah. So if you're a person for whom being able to express yourself through shaping the appearance or, you know, character or morality of your of your in-game character, you know, of, a, of of the font through which you flow, if that is something that is massively important to you, it's understandable that the Witcher would turn you off because you are playing as, you know, this gruff white dude who does yeah. one-liners if you want him to. Yeah. Like you and you do like even if you play this uh in you will end up doing some things even on accident that are morally repugnant to you mm-hmm. because you do not have complete information. Right. You know, like there's that is the CD Project Red Witcher trick is to make your consequences not apparent until way, way later in the game. Yes. So you can't save scum them and you have to make decisions with incomplete information all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so you will end up like there is a you will have like a regret, you know, about your character and some to some people that's not what they want to play either. You know, it's just like, I want to play a character who's doing good stuff and I get to choose to do the good stuff. And I, I'm not trying to dismiss that, you know, no, like I, no. I have a lot, like a blank slate character. I have a lot of fun with as well. Like I like creating characters. I like, yeah. you know, playing through that kind of thing. That's who this you are in Baldur's Gate, you know? Yeah, it, totally. You know, and I, I love those games. Right. Um, you know, fallouts, you know, like I, I love those. Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't that. No. Uh, so just so you know, I think that what that, what you get for it, what you trade for that is so fucking worth it though. Um, because I feel stronger about this story and character than I do about a lot of those, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't reach into the player side of it so much like the, the most attached, you know, the best empowerment curve and most attached I've ever been to a single like character has been like, that was the Baldur's Gate character I took through the entire thing. Right. That was really, really cool. Um, and that character had a background before I came, but I still, you know, it's mostly a blank slate. Mm-hmm. I don't have quite that flavor of it, but this flavor of it is equally strong in a different way to me. Yeah. Um, it's appealing to me to have a defined role to step in and play and to play it yeah. to the best of my ability and bring, and bring myself to it. You know, there, there, there is that discussion of like, oh, who is the, who is the player in this? Are they, are they the director? Are they controlling the, uh, um, you know, one particular person here, you're, you're controlling one particular person and what you mm. get on the, you know, on the other side of that, 
um, you know, <laughs> by kind of, con you know, the constraints that that puts up is this greater gulf between intention and result, right? Good intentions don't always turn into um, <laughs> uh, something that ends up being a net positive for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ab absolutely. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, so, and you do, there are a couple of minor things you can change. Like you can change how, kind of how you look, you can change your haircut, your beard, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. You can choose uh, how your pre-existing relationships change as you go, but it's very minor just so everyone knows. Yes. Um, so kind of, uh, you know, moving around. Um, this is finally like our open world game. Like Yakuza was not <laughs> nope. uh, open world game. Um, we thought maybe it was, and that's why I ended up on the poll. And mm -hmm. I really liked Yakuza quite a bit. But it was not mm -hmm. an open world game. This yeah. is definitively an open world game. Yeah. And we thought, oh, everybody's going to pick Arkham City. Uh, nope, you didn't do that. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> Arkham City. So we did Arkham Asylum, not an open world game, not a Metroidvania <laughs> either. Um, so, so instead, we we have this. Um, you have access to the game from the start, more or less. Um, you eventually will have to, you know, you have to book passage to get to, to Skellige, but you start off on these huge maps. Yes. Um, with these kind of points of interests. Town, quest givers, monsters, ruins, caves, uh, largely, you know, that are presented as question marks. You have to go investigate these things. Right. But they're all available to you. There's nothing to stopping you from, if you can make it, making your way from one side of the map to the other to check out that question mark on the other side of the continent. Yeah. I was, I mean, it was gobsmacking when I loaded up and I was like, okay, White Orchard, this is the world of the game. Like, White Orchard is so big. Yeah. And, you know, so dense with stuff to go look and see there are like multiple towns. It's not like there's like one big city that is like at the center and everything else is outskirt. And then when I realized that that is like one quarter of the size of the next like main map that you go to, mm. um, <laughs> that's like the interface version of the Elder Scrolls moment when you leave the prison and yeah. see the world expand before you. Yeah. <laughs> So, like he just is great uh, when it comes to cities, too, because there's not an abstraction uh, when you go into cities like cities just exist on the map. Right. You know, there there is I think that there is some kind of trickery with how the map looks to when you when you enter into uh, uh, Novigrad, the, the the major city yeah. of the game. But um, when you go into a village or a medium sized city, um, it just exists on the map. <laughs> you know, it's not like you do a loading screen and then now you're in the city and it's got walls around it or anything like that. Like. It's just this is how big these things are yeah. to scale. Yeah. Um, so the world, I think I saw a figure that it's roughly, let's say, 20% again as big as Skyrim. That's so hard to gauge. I don't know how meaningful that is, but it's there. Um, yeah. It is a gigantic world spread across different regions. Like Skellig is a different map. White Orchard a different map. And Novigrad plus Velen is just uh, colossal. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and all these regions are, you know, very lovingly modeled. Uh, you know, they're modeled after Poland. Uh, I think uh, Novigrad is modeled after Amsterdam. It's pretty apparent because of the canals and stuff like that. Uh, and then Skellige is like uh, Scandinavia. Mm -hmm. Now, um, the uh, the way the game does kind of level and threat scaling kind of stuff is pretty cool. Yes. Um, so the game does not uh, scale with you, which is the the Elder Scrolls you know, method generally, mm -hmm. um, when you see a wyvern, when you're first starting out and it looks dangerous, it is dangerous. Yes. Uh, and if you walk up and try to fight it, you will very likely die. Yeah. Um, but eventually you'll surpass it. Like you'll, you'll pace around it. And then sometimes wyverns will, you know, eventually wyverns will become a pushover and kind of a nuisance, mm -hmm. um, to you. Yeah. Um, so enemies do not change, uh, your scale. What does happen 
though, and you probably have this a little bit later, but it's related to this. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll jump ahead a little bit is the XP rewards due. So there's minimal kind of advantage to batting above your weight class. Um, the game ends up feeling like a very authored experience if you stay, you know, if you do things at the recommended level. Right. Um, I like fighting, you know, I'm like, oh, I, like, if I use every mine in my inventory, I can fight this legendary Deathclaw. Like, <laughs> that is a way that I tend to engage with these games. It ended up meaning that I ended up doing a lot of quests for almost no experience near the end, mm -hmm. which is discouraging. Like, it wasn't my favorite thing to have happen. Right. Um, you know, I was... You know, and I wish I had known. I wish the game had been more explicit about mm -hmm. about that. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking about playing this game, um, you know, because this episode will be fairly safe to listen to, uh, just do things at the level that it wants you to. Like, just yes. trust the game. Like, it knows what it's doing with those level recommendations. Games don't always do that, but this one does. Yeah. Again, things that speak volumes along with the codex. The fact that the story of those individual low-level quests was compelling enough to make you not feel entirely resentful of going to do them. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, I got I got 20 crowns and one XP for, <laughs> you know, probably throughout the game, probably 12 quests. <laughs> like I got like, you know, almost and it was just like interesting to see what it was. Right. You know, I wanted to see what was in this crazy cave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah. that the fact that the game doesn't scale the levels of the enemies uh, around you uh, is pretty important because that changes the uh, the topology of the map. Right. There are some places it's not wise to go to. Um, or yeah. you should probably give that a wide berth because like, oh, that's where the grave hags live. Yeah. And it's, and it's not just like the further you get away from the central area, the tougher it is either. No. It is, it is the enemies and threats are placed in a way that generally makes sense. You know, sometimes with bandits, maybe not, mm -hmm. you know, but if you're going deeper into the wilderness, you're more likely to run into monsters and you have a greater chance of running into a tough monster. Yeah. If you're staying near civilized areas, you're less likely to run into something very tough because people couldn't live there if there mm -hmm. were like, you know, level 30 griffins <laughs> yeah. hanging or, around there. Or, you know, a lot of the times you'll go into a town that has been overrun by monsters or by bandits and you will take care of the threat and people will move in. Yeah, I love that little bit. Like that <laughs> is such a like satisfying thing. Yeah. Um, just, and uh, like that's entirely what Ubisoft games are. Uh, but it's yeah. cool to see it here. Again, yeah. taking these things that are for that are perfunctory or taken for granted and making them feel cool. Yeah, um, it's not like everything Ubisoft does is bad. Right. It's just the Assassin's Creed and Far Cry games. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The white swath, but yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, you play the game in third person, uh, which is important if you're play if you're listening to this without ever having seen it. Um, mm -hmm. And there's some climbing and jumping thrown in. Uh, the world's design, you know, the, the the way the open world kind of fits together was influenced by Red Dead Redemption and Zelda. I see more Red Dead Redemption than Zelda in this, uh, mm -hmm. but that's because this does hew very closely to a kind of a little bit of a rock star open world kind of feel. Yeah. And you can, uh, you know, that minimum amount of like climbing and jumping and kind of later on, there's even a little bit of platforming. Um, mostly works really well as long as you are doing what the game wants you to do. Yeah. Um, to stop you from doing this, mountains like you, there there are climbs that are too steep for Geralt that are not too steep for Gary, mm -hmm. uh, which is like I'm a 37 year old out of shape uh, <laughs> man. So being like I could walk up that fucking thing and having Geralt slide down is a little bit frustrating. You can get around it, but again, if as long as it's it's really the message is like trust the game. Yeah. Because you don't you know the times that I did that and tried to break, you know, to get somewhere I'm not supposed to go, um, you know that you're not that what the reward is not worth it. Right. Um. There's a, there's a ship on the top of a mountain in Skellige that I spent 
so long trying to get to and eventually got to you. Well, yeah, and, yeah you have to go to the, you have to go there through a quest. <laughs> I mean, I, I broke it. I got there early. Oh, really? Uh, before the quest. Yeah. What? Um, not worth it. <laughs> 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 you know? Like a lot of rolling up mountains. Yeah, like how, um, how disappointed were you when you did the last wish quest? <laughs> and when teleport up, I, just, I figured I'd go up there eventually. Yeah. Since it was so hard. Like I knew I wasn't doing something I was supposed to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um yeah so primarily you're running around on foot but you also have access to a couple of other uh conveyances uh mm -hmm. you've got your horse you've got roach i love roach um, i like roach yeah insert a way to pet roach i know that girl doesn't care about roach but i do and yeah. I, I i should like him to pet roach yeah <laughs> um and uh, roach has a little bit like roach is great roach has kind of a mind of uh his or her own um you know, we'll kind of go wander off to go eat and stuff when you when you leave Roach. Mm -hmm. um, you can summon Roach from anywhere on the map with a whistle. Yeah. Um, which is unrealistic, but is really, really convenient and is the right choice. Yeah. I just I love the idea of just magically teleporting a horse into a crowded city. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like the idea of magically teleporting a horse into my enemies. <laughs> Tele <laughs> Telefragging your enemies with a horse? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, Philly. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so Roach controls fine, uh, but you do end up wanting to stick to roads, uh, which is good because Roach will actually auto follow them to a degree. Uh, you, have to, we'll, you have to nanny stamina. it a little bit. Oh, go ahead. And, and also won't take stamina. Right. When, uh, when you're on a road. Yeah. Yeah. You have to manage, uh, Roach's stamina and fear. Um, fear is only really a thing when you just run through a whole bunch of, uh, bandits or monsters, uh, Roach will buck you off. Yeah, the fear levels. You can actually uh, use what your mind control sign to calm Roach down. I love that. Uh, which is a great little touch. Um, Roach's stamina only becomes an issue when you're off-roading it. Yeah. Uh, and then you just, or during races, uh, which I guess that's another part I didn't engage with that much. Races like, are fun. Um, it seems like I, that is, like, oh, that's something that comes with the kit for every open world game is, like, go do these waypoint races. It's fine. Yeah. The the upgrades that you get to Roach are, are, are worthwhile. Yeah. I probably did about half of them. So I guess when I say I didn't, I didn't, wasn't completionist with those. Yeah. Um, but, you know, those are the only times you really had to worry about stamina. Um, so Roach, Roach is generally very powerful as like a conveyance mm -hmm. tool, like very convenient. Roach will regenerate if Roach dies. Yep. Uh, come back because a girl names every horse he has Roach. Yep. <laughs> um, so this is, this is presumably his umpteenth Roach. <laughs> and during the course of the game, like I kept my Roach alive the whole time, but you could go through many, many Roaches. <laughs> Uh, through this um that gear you know so the, the stamina and uh fear levels as well as your carry weight are are roach upgrades and you can uh you can change those things yeah make yeah. those better and you can also you, you uh you, you assign trophies to hang on to hang off the side of roach and that'll give yes. you different bonuses and stuff yep yeah um i had i had so many rotting heads <laughs> in my inventory at the end until i eventually realized i could sell duplicates uh-huh you know they're unique items but i was like i don't really care about having yeah. a trophy you know so i started selling them for weight and then i realized like oh i have like, like 30 rotting heads <laughs> yeah. uh, in in my saddlebags like yeah you don't need that hang on hang on to the past girl <laughs> um you can also sail around on boats yeah um, there's a decent amount of water in these maps mm -hmm. um, yeah um the damage uh, calculation for that is very strange because i never did a lot of boat combat but like boats mm. boats can sink um which might be important because guess what you can also jump out and explore underwater caves and shipwrecks so water isn't just empty space no there's stuff to get down there too yeah tons <laughs> of stuff um the the boats mostly got uh you know damaged um you know if i if i ran into something obviously right but every once in a while a monster would attack me on a boat and those are pretty cool moments mm -hmm. um when you are underwater your offensive vocabulary is very limited yeah yeah uh, so it would have been you know slightly cooler if i had more things to do 
underwater. But I definitely had my boat sunk by a monster and got killed by a monster by going somewhere I shouldn't have gone yet. Yeah. Which was a cool little, you know, gameplay narrative moment. Yeah. And that's like the thing of Skellige. Yeah. 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 Skellige is very hard to get around. Um, I remember something I was going to mention earlier about uh, getting around is that you are very susceptible to fall damage. Yes. Um, Geralt is not like falling very far. So that is another one of those like trust the game mm-hmm. kind of things. Like if you are somewhere where you are not supposed to be, uh, Geralt will do a little slide if it's at all like a, an incline, mm-hmm. um, which you're invincible during and looks like a lot of fun. Um, but if you uh, if you actually fall, you know, to Geralt heights, uh, you'll die. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Um, also related to that, I forgot to mention this or put it in the notes. Uh, the climbing in this is actually really good. Um, they uh, do the mantling? A, yeah, yeah, the mantling and uh, just kind of like clambering up different places. They do such a good job of highlighting the ledges that are climbable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they, you know, like like that's something that the Uncharted people do very well, obviously. Uh, but you know, CD Project has taken has taken that lesson and applied it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to, and again, just comparing things, uh, games in the same genre. Climbing in Skyrim always feels like you're breaking the game. Yes. Like it always feels like you're just uh, doing an exploit, mm-hmm. you know, like a speedrunner trick to get up this mountain. Yeah. Um, this does not feel like that. No. Um, I mean, it can, like you can, you can climb up some, I got to that fucking ship um, and that <laughs> felt like exploiting an exploit. But for the most part, like just generally climbing doesn't take you out of the game by looking gamey. Yeah. It, if yeah. it feels accounted for um, in the design of the game. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so fast travel is here. Uh, and you want to do that because the game's long enough already. Uh, you do this at like signposts in town squares or at the um, kind of uh, mouth of these caves or dungeons. Uh, but you have to go to a fast travel point manually before it opens up on the menu. I like this mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um, just because when you look at the map, you can see like, oh, that kind of lo- looks like a town. Like, oh, there's a crossroads here. Uh, you're kind of expanding your uh, your domain by doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And on a ship, you can uh, teleport even from open sea to a, to a port. Yes. Um, which is very limited, but can be very useful if you end up kind of exploring out somewhere and don't want to make the long trip back. Right. Or if, you know, your ship gets really damaged and you don't want to risk it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they're, they're kind of markers around, for the most part, they're question marks, but some of them will be kind of special yeah. uh, that you can kind of seek out. There there are two major ones that I decided to make a note of here. Uh, so monster dens or monster nests are uh, mm-hmm. pretty important because they're a really good source of components. We're going to yes. talk about crafting later. Uh, but these are like spawners. Uh, you know, there are holes in the like ground. Gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, you have to use a bomb or use one of your signs to kind of close them up uh, and loot some stuff that's going to be really useful for crafting off the back of them. Yeah. And you get a decent little chunk of XP for these. Yeah. Um, they, we're not going to cover these, but these do not feel like a waste of time. No. Um, some of the question mark things. So one of the big hints of this game is like, don't do every question mark. Like if you did that and you had fun, <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to take that away from you, but... I could see myself getting burnt out. Yeah. If I, if I did that, that, that um, piece of wisdom accounts for three of the bullet points on before I play for this game. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's, it's, it's very, uh, you know, so there are ones you do want to do. And mo- I would include monster dens among those. I'd also obviously include places of power. Mm-hmm. Um, places of power are really big deals. Uh, they give you an ability point, which is what you get at level up. Um, and they will buff one of your signs. Uh, we'll talk about signs in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are worth doing. And I'll say something kind of controversial, um, if you want kind of an early leg up, if you're finding the early game hard, pull up a map and go to all the places of power in the area. Yep. Especially in White Orchard. Yeah. You should definitely do like White Orchard is the one place you should do everything because uh, you'll get a couple levels up. You'll do several places of power. You'll get some components like that is your tutorial area. 
Um, but even just once you open up Velen, if you just want to hit all the places of power, like right off the top, I won't judge you. Nope. I think that if you want to go up, because the game, uh, as we'll get to when we start talking about character build stuff, doesn't really come alive for the first few levels. Like eventually I got very into it, uh, but it took a while. Yeah. And uh, getting to that a little bit quicker, um, I think is probably a good idea. Definitely. Um, let's talk about uh, the combat in this game. Yes, uh, because surprise, surprise, it's also very good. Yeah. Um, and th this is semi-controversial. I know a lot of people who don't like the combat in this game, but like the game overall. Mm -hmm. um, I came to really love it. Uh, it took a little while to get there to not because it on the base on the the, the base of it looks like souls a little bit. And they said that they were influenced by souls, um, but it's pretty different. Yeah, than souls actually. Yeah. It kind of lacks the emphasis on rhythm and reach. Uh, and places that emphasis more on flow uh, than anything, yeah. right? It's kind of like a hybrid between Souls and like Batman combat. Yeah. A little bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, is what yeah, it, yeah. It plays like a light version of a character action game a little bit, you know? Um, you know, you have you have two different sword attacks, weak and strong. You can, you can form those into combos. Um, and I have this note a little bit later, but I should mention it now. Uh, the animation in this game is superb in combat. The way yeah. that Geralt transitions from attack to attack or gets around the uh gets around the battlefield it's not quite like arkham city good um however like when you're used to something looking like kind of a gussied up mmo in this genre um it ends up make, being a very big deal that combat feels like it flows the way that it does yeah yeah that, i mean it's not quite arkham city but that's what i'm what makes me remind your mind yeah yeah, yeah. Is that, you can do the same thing where you kind of tap in a general direction and attack and girl will kind of lock on to that enemy yeah you know we'll 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 move over to him um in kind of a minor version of what what batman does mm -hmm. those animations is part of are part of why it's not very soulsy though mm -hmm. because it's not quite as technical right you know it is not um you know when you are uh fighting a very tough souls boss a lot of times you know exactly how long your sword strike will last you know exactly how long the enemy's strike will last you know how many hits you can get in before the enemy turns there you're standing into into a hurt box um the witcher isn't that no um it is a little bit less precise because those animations when you hit light attack there's a couple different things you can do right um there and they look real good and they they're very close to the right the same amount of time but they're not exactly the same so i've read that as a complaint um of this and you know not, i don't think it came up a lot in like press but i've heard people complain about it yeah um it just means that it is a little bit lighter of a combat system, like mm -hmm. a little less, you know, heavy to me. And you just, when things are dire, you take fewer risks. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think you'll, you'll do just fine. Yeah. Um, so, uh, there are different kinds of, uh, I never used any alternate weapons. I tried, did you, did you use any of those? I tried them a little bit, but there was never a situation that screamed out for them. I included this bullet point more as a, uh, kind of a nod to the fact that they exist because they may be, uh, you know, like a, like a, like a kunai or a kukri um for some of these things like oh you should just use a blackjack for that situation i just mm. it, it didn't call out usually uh these were responsible for they were the first things i would get rid of when i got encumbered that's what i thought of them too is just like vendor trash yeah you know um and i think that like uh at least in the first one too you know they, they say like you never really need to use anything other than your swords right um i think it's there mostly for like verisimilitude mm -hmm. you know like uh oh like if girl picks up a hammer, of course he should be able to use it. He knows, knows how to use every weapon. Yeah. But you know, you're never without your swords. Yeah. So there could be a use, uh, but like I said, no situation cries out for them. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the, the inventory or the, uh, uh, inventory management interface isn't terrible, 
but also it's enough friction to where I don't want to like pull up, pull that open to like use a limited use thing. The swords no. generally will suffice. It would be nice. That is one, you know, minor point. Like the the inventory uh, system could be a little bit better. Yeah, my understanding is it's better than when at launch. Um, and there are shortcuts on the PS4. Yes, uh, depend that allow you to go directly to menus, which help a lot. Oh, that is that um, is actually a really good point. Um, it is one of the best uses of the touchpad on the PS4, which is kind of like and the, it's garbage. <laughs> like it, it is one of the worst like you know systems on that thing. It's like the rear touchpad on the fucking PSP, man. Yeah, like it's just yeah. it's bad. But this is a really good use of it. Yeah, like you swipe in different directions to like go straight to different inventory screens or different menu yeah. screens that you want to do. It helps um, a lot. It does. Yeah. And, but if you're not playing, if you're playing on an Xbox 360 controller on PC, well, you don't have that. Right. So right. the, the, you know, the inventory is something that isn't the quickest, like it, it could use a wheel. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so, doesn't have a wheel. I didn't, didn't cause that much friction to me, but yeah, doesn't seem so smart to me. Um, yeah, no. uh, we should, I mean, if it's not apparent from what we said there, I played this on PS4, you played it on PC. Are the I played little... it on PS4. Oh, you did on PS4? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Cool. I, I should actually mention this. Um, I didn't, uh, Jeremy Greer gave me this game. Oh, sweet guy. Like way back in the day before we covered it, like he just um, I, I can't remember if there was an occasion mm-hmm. uh, for it. But Jeremy gave me this. So nice. thank you, Jeremy. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy. Yeah. Monster of the Week. <laughs> uh, oh, well, uh, you know, you, you, you weren't describing that. You were naming the show that he does. Okay. Yes. I wasn't describing Jeremy as the monster of the week. Right. Jeremy's the mon- monster of goat. He's the he's the moat. <laughs> um, he's a, yeah. Yeah. So so we both played this on PS4. Um, and the only downside of that is that the loading, the load times seem gnarly, but I don't know what they're like on PC. So, yeah. Yep. Um, in addition to your swords, you do have access to a crossbow, uh, which doesn't do a lot of damage, uh, but it will bring flying enemies to ground. Yes. And it is the only weapon you can use underwater and will kill everything underwater in one hit. Right. Um, so it ends up becoming this kind of like almost like a little like rail shooter thing mm-hmm. when you're underwater, like you can't move like a little turret shooter Yeah. Um, to kill things underwater. Um, the crossbow has an array of special bolts, mm-hmm. um, some of which are very powerful and cool. Yeah. Um, I didn't use it a whole lot because I didn't need to. It didn't fit into my build, but I can imagine like a, you know, not quite a crossbow build, but a crossbow emphasizing build. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the really like the the most noteworthy thing about the combat here um, is that you have two different dodges. Um, you have a roll uh, and you have a quick step. Yes. And this is really huge. Um, this means you have to choose your defensive action based on what you're fighting and what their kind of apparent range is. And I was able to suss those out intuitively every time. Yep. Like it never felt, I never felt like, oh, this guy who just has a hammer has some kind of insane leaping attack that I couldn't have predicted. And mm-hmm. I should have rolled instead of dodging. Yeah. Like if it's a huge monster that has huge long arms, like you should roll because it's got range <laughs> and you can read that immediately. Yep. And the roll takes a longer amount of time. And unless you buy one particular skill that's OP, you're going to take damage during that roll. Like, you don't really get an awful if you get lot. Hit. If you get yeah. hit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, not, it's not just like Geralt has a bad hip and it really yeah. does a number on him. <laughs> his, his hip reflexors are. Yeah. He's got a hitch in his giddy up. He's yeah, yeah. having a hard time with it. Some real bad um, bursitis in the, in, the ball in, in the ball and joint. Um, <laughs> Yeah. the the balling joint is a good name for a basketball themed cafe mm-hmm. um oh, yeah. yeah yeah uh but no like you know the 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 role is bigger it takes longer you have to commit to it whereas the quick step will you know is ideal for when you're fighting a human-sized enemy um you know to get you out of the way of their attack but put you in a good uh in a good uh position to attack them 
Yeah, to counterattack. Yeah. And the uh, the role is actually, it doesn't mean that the role is not useful, even if you're fighting humans, because it will get you away from things pretty quick. Yes. Like if, if multiple enemies, um, figuring out how to do crowd control in this game was very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there are multiple enemies are fighting me from, from different sides, like that's very hard to deal with. But you can roll out and kind of either get them into some kind of bottleneck mm-hmm. or just rely on them approaching you at slightly different speeds to, it, to take care of them. It is so satisfying to control a fight from the edges. Yeah, <laughs> like, which is what, what you do a lot of the time. And it makes you feel like a ridiculous badass that, you know, these thugs, these people who try to mug you and the like. Mm-hmm. And in, in my my sense, because I'm playing as good guy Wolverine, you know, these people who are terrorizing the local populace, mm-hmm. like just being like, yeah, you know, you shouldn't pick a fight with me. And then having it play out. Yep. <laughs> you know, it's like the opposite of the Arkham Knight. Uh, you know, the Batmobile looks super cool. And then you immediately slam into a fire hydrant that you can't, (laughs) you know, it's, it's like, Oh, narratively I'm very cool. And then when the fight starts, like I am still also very cool. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, Um, yeah. So in addition to those roles, uh, uh, sorry to, 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 to belabor this, but there's a, there's an awesome symmetry, I think to, um, uh, having a, a, a strong attack, weak attack, and also a strong dodge, weak dodge. Mm-hmm. It's, I, you know, there's probably another game that has done this, but like when I discovered that that is the distinction that was made here, like that, like this is one of the, you know, contributions that the Witcher three made to like this particular kind of action, uh, mm-hmm. action sequence. Uh, it feels really special. Yeah. I like, I like it a lot too. Yeah. It is, it is one thing that is, uh, feels like it's bringing it, you know, a unique element, you know, other, you've, you've been able to kind of sword fight in similar ways and have, have spells and the like. And then there are other two things that I, if they come up later in the notes, forgive me, but you can also block uh, and you yes. can parry. Yeah. I was going to slide uh, that in and hope that it didn't go remark upon that. I forgot this major system. Oh, I, I apologize. <laughs> it's not, it's, I barely used it. Like I oh. almost always dodged. I played the same way that I do uh, souls. Yeah. You know, I, I, I didn't really block and I, I just, you know, jumped out of the way. Yeah. Um, and the, the animations, the tells are good enough to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, when someone's attacking, Yeah. Uh, you know, they might attack at different speeds like, like souls, but it never feels like, Nothing like telephragsia, you know, nothing like just zaps you with no, there's no hit scan swords. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, swords. yeah. Yeah. Um, um, but you can, you can do those things and those things, all those elements have been done before, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but, and the, the, the kind of specialness and the combination of them, but that kind of, you know, strong and weak dodge feels new. Yes. Uh, you know, that's the part that is, is more, it's not just the, uh, the, the melange mm-hmm. of cool things we've had before. Yeah. Um, the parry, uh, the window on that is pretty wide. Uh, and I got comfortable mm-hmm. uh, with it, mostly with uh, humanoid enemies. I know there are some monsters you can do it with, uh, but if I was fighting just a bunch of sword fighting dudes, uh, that ended up being the 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 bigger opportunity to do it, and that yeah, that that, that gets you uh, through a lot of situations. The only time I ended up using the like I could use the parry, I just ended up dodging in order to you know wow, yeah. it just ended <laughs> up working out better. But the uh, the times I parried were a couple of duels with uh, very tanky kind of sword fighters mm-hmm. uh, that were story things. And then in a couple of the fist fighting quests, yeah. I would do parries because uh, I was, I, it was before I learned my lesson and I did like all of those as soon as I could. <laughs> and there was like a level 30 thing where the guy would knock me out in one punch. So I, <laughs> I like, and I couldn't get through his defenses. So I was, I was batting above my weight class against better judgment. Yeah. Um, I would use that. Um, these things all flow, flow together real well. There are systems in the game that uh, reward you for using variety. Mm-hmm. Uh, in these things um, and because uh, it wants you to mix things up right um, the things you're you're putting in with your sword strikes um, you also have two swords uh, you have a silver and steel sword 
Um, steel is for uh, non-supernatural creatures. Silver is for supernatural creatures. Um, you can mix and match if it's a bad idea. The game just automatically pulls which one is appropriate. Um, the reason why I bring that up is it's not true of earlier games mm -hmm. in the series. Like, you'd have to make that choice. Yeah. Um, and uh, so in addition to those kind of things that you have, um, you also have signs. You have uh, spells, which are useful outside of combat, but mostly are useful inside combat. Right. Yeah. Um, and these fire off very quickly. It's just one of your triggers. Uh, you're playing this with a controller. Um, and they're pretty versatile. You have a good number of them. Uh, so mm -hmm. there's Ard, which is which is a telekinetic blast. Like, this is very useful for um, crowd control. Yeah. Um, these can also, we should mention, too, that these can be upgraded to have secondary effects. Yes. Um, that we should talk about. And then also uh, to be more powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and this can be augmented either through level ups or equipments, equipment or uh, kind of the way you outfit. You have like slots yeah, yeah, or mutagens that can you can focus on one of these and make it very strong. So that comes later. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ard will. OK, that is good. Um, so Ard is a teleconnect blast. Do you have the uh, the upgrades later? Mm -hmm. or should we have those now? Uh, no, I, I, I don't have those specifically um, okay. listed later, but I do have the fact that you can upgrade later. Yeah, we'll just talk about the alternate forms now as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like Ard, uh, Telgonek Blast kind of forward, and then you can also be kind of a, a thing that clears around you. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you if you do the secondary form for this. I didn't use Ard a lot, uh, but my understanding is it's very powerful because it can knock enemies down. Yeah. And you can almost always coup de gras an enemy if it's down. Yes, uh, which bypasses a lot of back and forth if you're fighting yeah. a high-level enemy. Um, yep. yeah. uh, also, Ard lets you blow up in weak walls. Like it requires you to do that a lot for navigation. Yep. Um, Axie, uh, it's kind of your mind control or confusion and stun spell. Uh, this enables uh, coup de gras as well. Um, mm -hmm. And upgrading this lets you kind of do a shortcut uh, to persuasion and dialogue. Like you will yes. be able to uh, to cast that on somebody um, first on one person and then on multiple people. Yes, the game takes into account um, if you <laughs> if if in dialogue you charm one person but not their friend, they, like the I friend love, knows exactly what just happened. I love that so much because <laughs> it, it's so it's so dumb. Yeah. You know, when when someone just sees one of their friends like you know get so clearly mind controlled, and they're just like, okay, well, I guess if you know <laughs> if if weak minded John is okay with it, then I'm okay with it. Um, so this is uh, like the way to explain this if you don't know what it is is it's a Jedi mind trick. Yeah, you know, you say like you'll be giving me this now, you know, and you wave your hand and then they do it. Yeah. Um, I get that up to third level. That's really worth it um, to use the dialogue thing. The only thing you're skipping as far as gameplay by doing these, you never skip a quest. Mm -hmm. You just skip fights. Yeah. Uh, and you get more XP for doing it this way. Yeah. Than you would. Um, the sign that I used uh, the most was Igni. Same. Um, the third one, um, which is a little flame burst uh, that you can do. You can use this uh, in the game world to light and extinguish torches. Mm -hmm. Um. But for the most part, you can use this to, to kind of hit somebody with a little bit of damage. Um, if you upgrade this enough, you increase the uh, likelihood of it to set people on fire. <laughs> um, you can also eventually turn into a flamethrower where you can just kind of sustain it <laughs> yep. on somebody. And that is like bonkers satisfying. Uh huh. And there's a bomb later that you can synergize with this where I was doing, you know, 3000 damage to monsters. Like it was <laughs> it was unreasonably powerful and good. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is, you know, it was a, my my build for for lack of a better word was like an Igni and light, you know, light combat build. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Igni was definitely my MVP in this. Um, and it may seem like, oh, you're just kind of getting a lot of immediate um, damage off the back of this. Lighting somebody on fire, it does DPS. Uh, one of the first upgrades you get for it uh, is called Melt Armor. Like you can mm -hmm. use this to soften up a whole group of enemies uh, like in one go. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> so uh, it's ridiculously powerful. Yeah. Uh, another one here is Irden, uh, which is a spell that kind of creates this magical zone on the ground um, that slows enemies down um, and also makes incorporeal enemies vulnerable. Yes. Um, yeah. And this is uh, this is probably the sign I use the least. Like, and I only used it when I needed to. Yeah, you know, against this is, uh, specters or wraiths. Against specters and stuff. And eventually you can bypass it. Like, you do enough damage to where you can kill specters and wraiths without using this. Because mm -hmm. um, they're not invulnerable. They just yeah. take reduced damage when they're not uh, corporeal. Yeah. Um, you know, it's fine. Yep. I, can, I can imagine a version of this that you use that was very good. Because mm -hmm. uh, you set up a pretty... It's kind of an area control thing. Like, you set up a pretty decently sized... Uh, section of of yeah. the the battlefield or whatever and it gets bigger as the intensity gets gets yep. higher yeah and makes people you can be damaged within it mm -hmm. you know it can actually hurt enemies when they walk through it so you kind of set up this little poison field mm -hmm. um it'd be fun to play with a build that emphasized this i just didn't this time yeah something that's technical has to have an exploit that makes it way op i just um yeah. it didn't fit into the flow of the way that i kind of conceptualize the combat well and also you chose a build yep. you know there's opportunity costs like you can only have so many things equipped you can only you only have so many points to spend you know, because um, I ended up putting points in Igni, and then I also put them into five, uh, or the fifth one, Quen, mm -hmm. which is your shield. Yeah. Um, so both of those I maxed out. Um, Quen more or less like protects you from a hit. Um, so it allows you to kind of wade into combat, uh, you know, and get past kind of an initial assault to get in some damage. Yeah. Um, eventually, you know, if this is powerful enough, it can protect you against multiple hits. Um, it allows you to fight a lot of, you know, this is the the saving grace between fights I was going to win and lose a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and the secondary form of this, which I never used, but is very cool is that you can, you hold up a shield. And as long as you're holding it, um, it drains your, your stamina, but you, uh, you, you regenerate health when you get hit. Yeah. Um, so you can actually use this to be pretty unstoppable. Like a lot of these abilities, if you know how to make a build around them become fairly broken. Mm -hmm. And I don't say that in a negative way. Like it is satisfying to figure out the exploits. <laughs> and uh and and utilize them let's call them synergies yeah there we go <laughs> yeah um i think there's there's a there's an upgrade you can get to quen that will um instead of just shielding you from damage also cause uh damage to ever hit knock you down. yeah it does it, i don't know if how much it may if it does damage it's a pittance uh -huh. um it mostly knocks them away from you though okay cool so that that's very useful as well so i i maxed out igni and quen and then did uh axie up to do the dialogue mm -hmm. level so. Um, you have access to all of these from like from the git, um, you know, regardless of how many points you put into them. Uh, what this means is there are oftentimes situations that feel like, man, how am I going to manage this? Like, it is really hard. Like, oh, use a, use a sign that you haven't used a lot before because it may actually make the difference for you. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all they're they're powerful even right from the get go. Yeah. You know, it doesn't you don't have to invest in them to be worthwhile at all. Mm hmm. You know, um, so those are those are very fun experimenting with those and figuring that out was really good. Yeah. Um, the signs use uh, this game stamina system. Yeah. Um, so the way stamina works is that you have kind of a, uh, a set amount. You can get more by putting points into different different uh, different skills uh, there. But the uh, the big thing is that spells use stamina and your stamina regenerates slower if you're wearing heavier armor. Right. So that is the uh, the trade off for wearing like kind of tanky armor. Uh, so it just, you know, because it is only spells, I mean, it might as well just be called cooldown, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's only spells. It's a very, it's running. Mm -hmm. Um, but you maybe you know, people who play souls, uh, it's blocking as well. So you can't just block forever. Right, um, right. you know, if enemies are strong enough, they'll get through that and they'll take your stamina, but it's uh dodging takes very little stamina. Mm -hmm. Um, it does take a little bit. And if you're wearing really heavy armor, I can imagine you running into that problem, but yeah. 
people who come to this from souls are really expecting to like have to manage their dodging uh, in terms of resources a little bit more than you have to. Right. Here, when really it is just uh, figuring out which one is correct is the the taxing part, not do I have the the money to spend on this. Yeah. Um, the other kind of combat meter that you have uh, is adrenaline points. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you accumulate those as you uh, as you fight, you know, as you do combat actions. Um, and this is kind of a general slush fund for special uh, actions and attacks. Um, and oftentimes those particular skills are governed by updates that you've chosen for Geralt. And we're going to have more of those later. Yeah, this is, I think this is one of the systems the game explains the worst. Yes, um, because it seems like you know, your adrenaline goes up and it, you don't do more damage. You don't take less damage, anything like that. It's just things that refer to adrenaline. In some ways, it's a very like board gamey like mechanic, it feels mm -hmm. like. Yeah. Like something that, you know, the magic card that uses the keyword adrenaline <laughs> uses these points. Yeah. Um, some of these looked very powerful. I didn't fuck with them. Right. Really? Um, so that there's probably an adrenaline build that you can do in this game as well that I did not do. Mm -hmm. um, for the most part, you, you control Geralt. Every once in a while, you do flashbacks uh, and, you know, a couple times in real time where you control Siri. Um, Siri has, uh, different abilities. Uh, she regenerates and she can do this little short range teleport, uh, eventually get some kind of more abilities. You're not meant to lose Siri segments. They're flashbacks no. often. So yeah. it wouldn't you know, make any sense. So you are pretty powerful, mm -hmm. uh, as Siri, but I like how badass and capable Siri is like <laughs> Siri feels like she could take, you know, hold her own and it, it lends narrative weight to the, why the wild hunt wants her so much. Yeah. Like she is incredibly powerful and she hasn't even gone through like the mutations and stuff. Like she is just inherently very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's always this nice little bit of empowerment to kind of be given God mode a little bit mm -hmm. um, and fight off these massive uh, groups of enemies. I mean, uh, if you hold down the right trigger on this while you're, while, while you're fighting her, like a, an area will highlight around her and it'll get bigger and bigger. Anybody who's inside that she will do like a, like an X-Men arcade game, nightcrawler i'm flying around and attacking everybody special attack yeah like the opening <laughs> of x-men 2 yeah yeah um very very cool mm -hmm. like i liked controlling siri a lot and i like siri a lot as a character oh great yeah um, um, she's badass <laughs> i figured out why i like her voice actress um mm -hmm. it's the same voice voice actress who plays the uh the female version of hawk in dragon age 2 oh cool yeah yeah she hawk is good <laughs> Um, yeah, so you spend a lot of your time uh, fighting uh, human enemies, you know, or spellcasters, uh, you know, people with swords and stuff like that. But you're a monster hunter, so you're going to fight some monsters. And this gets into something that get, I think is really special about this game, um, you know, <laughs> number 100 in the list of things that are special, um, which is you have to prepare. Part of being a witcher is knowing what you're going to face and getting every advantage you can. Yes. Um the game, because of a big change in alchemy, which is our next kind of like maxi heading, um, this is a little bit less than previous games in the series mm -hmm. um, because you can use uh, in the past, you know, potions would have have more toxicity, which we'll talk about, um, and you would use them and they'd last a long time. Potions are a lot closer, you know, or preparations rather. So just to, so I'm not bleeding too much on the next topic um, are can be used more on the fly. So you still need to prepare to fight monsters. It's not like you're doing this serious, serious run up. Yeah, but there's still more flavor to it than there usually is. So like reading the monstrous manual entry, um, getting, you know, the, the equipping the signs that are are appropriate, equipping bombs and, and potions and stuff that are appropriate is very important um, because in the narrative, like winning fights is being prepared. Like there's a little bit of Batman <laughs> to what you do. Yeah. Um, and that's that's really, really fun. And sometimes this can even trickle down to like fighting at the right time. 
mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I need to do this during a certain part of like the moon cycle or during day or night or things like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> guess what? The moon is modeled and that impacts werewolves. Yeah. 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 And makes them like, you know, a very early, uh, you know, enemy to bounce your head up against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and something I like about this is monsters can be big or small. You know, oh, yeah, <laughs> like the like the main boss of the of the prologue is you have you eventually have to fight a griffin uh, and it's your first introduction a to a flying enemy uh, and also your first introduction to like, oh, this is gigantic. Like, like I'm fighting a dinosaur right now. <laughs> yeah, know? like a, like a medium sized dinosaur. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. like fighting like a triceratops, not fighting like a brontosaurus. OK, but, it, you know, it's big, you know, and a lot of monsters are just kind of like flavors of zombies mm-hmm. or, or goblins, you know, or what have you. And some of them are smaller. You know, you fight uh, like the the Neckers and those are, are they're like, you know, waist high on you. So yeah. there's a real variation. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, just uh, this all of this plays into reading their reach. Mm-hmm. So it is important not just to prepare in terms of reading the, the bestiary and having the right uh, weapons and potions and, and bombs ready. But also you need to kind of look at it and be like, OK, this thing probably has a really, really long you know, sometimes a literally like a long tail mm-hmm. and I will need to roll away when its back is to me, yeah. but it has kind of shorter front claws. So if I'm fighting it right up, you know, r- up front, I can kind of just dodge around with a quick step. Yeah. So there are a good number of decisions to make within the flow of combat based on, yes. based on understanding the way these monsters will fight. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, let's talk about alchemy. Alchemy is so important. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's a huge part of being ready for these fights, and you should never be afraid to use a consumer consumable, uh, except for toxicity, which we're going to talk about here, um, because it all comes back. Yeah, a big, a big change from the earlier games. Yes. Um, so the way this uh, this works is once you have crafted a potion, um, it works like Estus. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, it will refill at, um, you know, when you meditate, you can meditate anywhere. You don't have to wait for a bonfire. And uh, this is great. You just need to mix a little bit of alcohol. And this is the most alcoholic setting. <laughs> There's more alcohol in the setting yep. than anywhere else in the history of fiction. <laughs> like, yeah. it's like, there's probably some like sci-fi thing on a planet where there are rivers of alcohol. And like, maybe that's different. But I uh, steal everything from everyone in this game, mm-hmm. mostly just to steal their fine dwarven spirits. And every house has many, many caches of booze. <laughs> By the end of the game, I had like 120 extra uh-huh. and I used potions like crazy, uh-huh. you know, like I, I, so I was very surprised to find that. Uh, so that was like the third part of my wheel of build was uh, doing like a detoxion or a decoction and, uh, and potions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, that's all you need though, to re to refill your Estus mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Um, so make sure you're stealing all the alcohol you can. And, uh, once you craft something, you don't have to worry about it. Whereas in the past you had to have all those ingredients every time you wanted the potion. Yeah. Um, and I was afraid that's the way it was going to work this time because, you know, like shopping for all that stuff or like hoping that this bush spawns here, that's that's like a little bit too time consuming. I'm not going to farm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm 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 not going to farm farm. unless I'm playing Stardew. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Like, and you do, and you don't have to farm (laughs) in this game. Like you never have to do it. If you just kind of like Roomba things up as you go, you'll always be embarrassed for riches yeah but it's like momentous when you're able to craft a new potion or upgrade a potion that you already have yeah yeah and and most of the stuff is available uh for sale yes. to you like if you find the right alchemist like you can buy these elements you need for potions and that's a lot easier you yeah. know than, than combing the wilderness for them mm-hmm. um so when you take potions they have a a toxicity uh thing and you have a toxicity stat essentially this is a meter 
Um, if you max out this meter, uh, you stop regenerating vitality. Yes. Um, you, uh, and I think you can actually die from it. Uh, if you keep going, I don't, that didn't happen. I think I just read something that implied it. I, I, um, I imagine maybe if you max out and go beyond the max on, on toxicity, eventually there, there's a negative vitality re regen possibly. Mm. It never happened for me. Um, but I yeah. could, I could, I could see it. Well, I put, I put points into increasing my, well, if you're using decoctions, you have to. <laughs> so that was the, you know, as the third, I, you know, never came close to my toxicity. Yeah. Uh, limit. Yeah. Um, um, also it changes your appearance, uh, which messes up cutscenes because if Geralt is riding high on the tox, then he's real pale and you can see these like lines of infection crawling across his face. Yeah. It's exactly what happens when rogue touches somebody in, in the X-Men movies. Mm -hmm. Um, that's what happens to you. Yes. These things. Um, so potions, the way they work, um, you have a basic healing potion. Uh, which we're not going to talk about every potion, obviously. No. But, um, you know, we keep comparing them to Estus. Only one of them is a healing potion, and it works much slower mm -hmm. than Estus. You eventually get an instant heal potion, but it's a it's a ways into the game. Um, these can do a wide variety of things. So it's worth uh, kind of experimenting. And some of them are very, very situational. Mm -hmm. um, like, there's one that makes your blood poisonous, so when vampires, hurt, like, strike you it hurts them yeah uh, there's one that lets you see in the dark things like that yes um so keep an eye out you always want to buy recipes you're always going to want to uh, craft potions when you can and uh using them a lot will give you a huge edge yes um, um also important are oils yes oils are um incredibly situational uh every uh every type of enemy has an oil associated with it so like necrophages um, you know, different zombies or drowners and things like that. There's an oil that will cause more damage to them. Um, yes. You apply these to your blade and they stick around for a certain number of swings. Yes. Um, also, we'll give you a huge edge and you can get advanced versions of potions and oils. Mm -hmm. So uh, eventually you do plus 50% damage. And that's a big deal. Yes. Um, and then kind of most interestingly are decoctions. Um, decoctions are kind of like uh, very strong potions that last a very long time. Have a very wide variety of, of effects. It's like a half so, hour of real time, so like an entire quest. Yeah, yeah, an entire quest, and some of one of them even lasts longer than that. I mean, I never used it, but there's one that lasts like way, like very, very long time. Yep. Um, so these are monster specific. Like it will be like the Griffin decoction, and uh, they have huge kind of like you know big uh, kind of game changing effects. So these are kind of temporary, you're not you know semi permanent buffs you can put on mm -hmm. and switch out, um, and they can they range from pretty useless like oh your horse never panics <laughs> you know be spill my fucking heart you know <laughs> or be still i think i said be spill so please do not be spill my heart please do be still my heart um and the, but some of them there's like one where uh when you hurt enemies you regenerate um there's a really really useful one where if you end up taking a hit that drains one third of your life you automatically put on a shield hmm. um that's really hugely useful like some of these are very very good yeah um, and you can, uh, if you put a lot of points into toxicity, you can have two of them running at once and still take potions to heal. Um, and you can, again, kind of become unstoppable, which is the, the recurring part of this build segment. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it'll take up your entire unlevel toxicity though. So you gotta, yeah. you gotta, if you don't level it, yeah, you yeah. can only have one of these things going on and you're doing it instead of healing through potions, you can still heal through food, um, which is hilarious because like, I love <laughs> this just, you know, girl in the middle of combat has to eat like a ham sandwich like three ham sandwiches really quick he eats chicken sandwiches to get through situations <laughs> um the uh 
so you have to do that that you can heal but that heals a lot slower mm-hmm. than, the, than the potion yeah that does i also got tons of use out of bombs bombs are um, great and I, you yeah, forget bombs about bombs good. because they're mapped to they're mapped to your uh, crossbow button yeah yeah so I, I would i would usually i use these way more than i use crossbows mm-hmm. um and these again like potions have like a wide variety of effects um and some of which are just like unbelievably good mm-hmm you know, you get uh, that that one uh, that dragon's dream, which is the one that uh, creates like a flammable gas in the air. Yep, which you um, uh, that, mix with igni. Yeah, yeah, and just do incredible shit. You can like freeze enemies in place. You can poison them. You can mm-hmm. blind them. You can do all kinds of cool stuff. Stuns and things like that. Really useful yeah. against uh, human enemies. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, and they all have upgradable versions. And getting those upgraded, you know, is a marked change. Like one of the things about this game, and I know I said this during the the camera. Uh, thing and this is true and probably one of the few negative things i have to say about it is that leveling up doesn't feel that good right like in aggregate it does uh, you know leveling up 10 times you will be markedly more powerful and feel really good but getting one level up doesn't feel that good but the kind of taking the place of it and this is a system i didn't really engage with when i just did the comrade dip was uh like getting these recipes mm-hmm. like getting a new bomb thing is functionally where you're getting that dopamine squirt from leveling up yeah because you're getting a, a brand new verb yep you know yeah, it's a it's it's a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, leveling gets you those ability points, which we talked about putting into toxicity or different uh, different signs, different combat abilities. Uh, but one of the primary ways that you get more effective uh, is through finding or crafting better armor or weapons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the crafting system uh, is also really important in this segue, segue, segue. Um, <laughs> so you're always picking up armor, weapons, or raw ingredients. Some of these are going to be fine. You're going to find like a named weapon in a, in a particularly notable ruin or whatever. Um, but all of them can be used, uh, to help you craft things that will be more useful to you. And all of this yes. happens at weaponsmiths or armorsmiths or aerosmiths. Yes. yes. <laughs> or aerosmith concerts. Yes. The, um, the, and, you know, people who, who listen to the show a lot know that I'm not a big fan of crafting systems in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't spend too much time with this. I did craft everything, but you don't have to, like, the amount in which it takes up your brain space is kind of up to you. Right. Like, they turn the, um, getting the the formulas for these, you'll just find tons of them. Getting the powerful ones becomes a quest, you know, of some sort. Like, you have to go into a cool area to find it, um, which is fine. Getting a master weaponsmith and armorsmith are both very lengthy quests. Mm-hmm. Um, which is fun. Uh, they make it not, you know, it's not like they just mapped, uh, don't starve onto the Witcher. Right. You know, it is not that kind of crafting. It is something that you will be carrying around, uh, you know, a huge cabinet, like a pantry full of different components (laughs) and will only really notice what you're carrying around when you need them. Yes. You know, it's kind of, uh, you'll most of the time I had what I needed Mm -hmm. or could buy it right then. Yeah. Um, which is a big, which is a big deal. Um, I did not want to, again, I don't want to farm right? and uh, you don't have to farm, you know, and the few times I had to go out of my way, they made it interesting. Yeah. Or, you know, you're carrying around an item that you can break down into exactly what you need. Yes. You know? yeah. Uh, which is, which is a really good system. Like you pay for it to happen, but like, you know, most of the stuff you can find out in the world, um, it ends up being kind of common in the things you're already carrying. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, you can also, uh, through this kind of system, you can append, a kind of jewels and runes or just runes onto your weapons and armor. Yes. Um, these initially, uh, are not very, you know, whelming. 
I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> it, it falls into the the trap of like plus point three fire damage a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the trick to these, and it took me a little while to figure this out, um, is that uh, these, like everything in the game, are very powerful in aggregate. Mm -hmm. So, like, if I have a, you know a plus two percent, a plus you know five percent, and a plus three percent stun. Mm -hmm. I put all of those on my sword. It has a 10% chance of stun per swing. Yeah. And you're you know, how many times do I time. swing my yeah. sword? Yeah. Th these end up actually being very powerful and satisfying once you do them with other things. Same thing with the ones that just increase sign intensity. Mm -hmm. Like when I put every point into Igni and then put as all the Igni gems I could onto things, I noticed a huge difference. Yeah. It just, it takes, it doesn't immediately feel uh, as satisfying as it could. Yeah. And somebody who plays WoW and Destiny is going... <laughs> you finally come around to understand the plus I, I, point two frost damage. It's but it's never going to be good with damage. Like it's <laughs> the, those effects are really like what does it? Yeah, you know. Um, and just this has a lot of different little systems that that work with it. Yeah, you know. Mm -hmm. I think they ended up making it made it uh, as as kind of part of leveling up. Yes. Um, so the way leveling up works is, uh, you know, as you fight enemies, you complete, you get experience. You don't get very much experience for fighting enemies. No. Almost all of your experience comes from quests, um, which means that when you are traveling through the world and you see, like, five drowners by the riverside, unless you really want to, don't stop and fight them. No. Um, it is not worth grinding those up. I eventually got to a point where I wanted to wear a piece of equipment, mm -hmm. and because I had done the quest in the wrong order, I needed to, like, you know... For, for me grinding, like I killed one monster three times that respawned, <laughs> which like, I don't get me wrong. I don't like doing it, but I, I ground it a little bit. I broke my, my cardinal rule. The Joker won and made Batman snap somebody's neck uh, <laughs> when it comes to Witcher 3. But um, for the most part, it is not worth fighting just random monsters. You fight them because they're on, they're between you and what you want. Right. You know, or, or the, the point is to fight them. Mm -hmm. um, and when you get level up, you get an ability point. Yes. Uh, they can spend these different kind of categories in your, your character build system. Yeah. Uh, it's not exactly like a tech tree um, because there are different um, kind of tiers of skills you can get. But like it's not like you have to buy the basic Igni upgrade to get the second level Igni upgrade. You can spend that all over. You unlock those higher level ones by spending more points in that particular category. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, the different categories are combat, signs, alchemy and general. Um, there's also a mutation section that's in the screen for some reason. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that as well, uh, with this, um, the, uh, and these kind of do what they say. There are, there's a wide variety of skills in here that don't initially look interesting until you put a few points into them. Mm -hmm. Um, skills aren't active unless you place them in one of your skill slots though. And this includes passive skills. Mm -hmm. So like you might feel really good because you unlock the ability where if you block, you can parry arrows, but unless you actually give that a slot, you can't do it. Yeah. So you're spending all of these points, but that isn't enough. Um, yeah. Actually, what you can do in any given situation or what you can do at a time uh, is incredibly limited. It gets less limited as you level up. Like that's another perk that you get. You can assign more skills to be active, mm -hmm. um, but you are making some fairly constrained choices. Yeah. Yeah. And this, uh, you know, initial, what this encourages you to do is concentrate. Yes. You know, you're not going to be able to be a generalist uh, in this game. I, like I, I said, my build had three parts, you know, and I think that's <laughs> probably stretching it a little bit further than, you know, I had to, you know, like, I, like that was maybe not the most optimal thing. Like choosing kind of two things, like choosing a hybrid mm -hmm. is probably the best, best option. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of concentrating gives you immense bonuses as well because you get synergies. Um, you have, you have, 
four little quadrants that unlock of uh, sets of three of these skills you can put in, and each one can be associated with a mutagen you add. And if you uh, match colors, the mutagen gives you a more powerful bonus. Yeah. Um, so, like, let's say you you have a lot of signs equipped. Um, if you put a blue mutagen there, it increases your sign intensity mm-hmm. uh, for all signs. Yeah, and we're talking um, like substantial. Like this is 10, 20 percent increases. Yeah, if you if you have all three, it's forty. Jesus, um, which is huge. And I had two sets of all three, <laughs> so it was a plus eighty percent sign intensity. Uh, you know, starting out, which was is, which is a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can be kind of diverse, but again, I think like a multi class is what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. You know, fighter mage. Yeah, because I mean, Geralt's a ranger. You know, like he is a hybrid. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the quests and the like, the rhythms of the individual missions you go on, because there is a bit of repetition to this. Mm-hmm. Um, not always, but like a lot of them use Geralt's skills in a particular sequence. Yes, um, and and this is when we, early on in this episode, like a thousand years ago, when <laughs> we were talking about uh, kind of establishing terms. This is a big part of it. Yeah. So when we say like it's a de- like there's a detective sequence, you know, we want to be able to have you know what we mean. Yes. So we're, let's let's set terms here. Um, so usually uh, you get your quest, um, and when you do, you head out to an area and you kind of use your Witcher senses to investigate. Yeah. Um, this is like the you know your detective vision or what have you. Mm-hmm. It'll highlight points of interest. Uh, you know, sometimes bodies can loot or uh, like chests you can loot, but oftentimes things will be highlighted in red. Things like blood or footprints, um, or it'll show like trails of scent in the air. Yes, um, and you can investigate these to get a little bit of uh, a little bit of Geralt's read on what exactly happened here. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, pro tip for this. Um, so this is actually something like I'll, I'll ding the game on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the scents in the air are very hard to see me with my flavor of colorblindness, yeah. depending on the environment. Um, there's an option in the menu to make these appear on the mini map. Hmm. Um, and I found that more or less necessary to follow scent trails. Okay. Um, it can make all of them appear on the mini map, which depending on how much you like, just kind of, you know, doing the LA noir, like investigate the area. Mm-hmm. kind of thing um but if you if that doesn't sound interesting to you you just want the flavor text and to find the clues you can make it so the game will just show you where they are okay well it's good that yeah. they that they acknowledge that accessibility problem yeah. yeah yep um yeah so this is um you know you kind of checking out these different things and Gerald will have a little bit of flavor text he'll talk about what happened or the monster and kind of do you know it's you're you are a detective mm-hmm. uh in this that is more or less what you're playing um, and this eventually leads you to the goal of where you need to be, the NPC you need to talk to, the monster you need to slay, the item that you need to find, etc. Yes. That sounds boring and rote. The problem is, or the complication is, quests don't always shake out the way that you would expect. You know, like, n- pretty much nothing is what it seems at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, people people who have motivation to lie to you will lie to you. Um, people will try to trick you or get one over on you. Um, you know, people do not know each other's motivations. Like, nobody has perfect knowledge uh, in this, and, and specifically Geralt. And Geralt's not a fool. Like, you can call people out when you think they're lying to you, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes they'll have a very reasonable comeback. And sometimes that will actually, you you will stop doing a fool's errand because you've, you've said, like, hey, that doesn't make any sense, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so it, it is a world where deception exists and people don't feel like they're just, you know, kind of stating what the world is. Yeah. You know, like, I don't ever expect a random NPC or quest giver to lie to me in in these games mm-hmm. you know it happens v- very very rarely <laughs> here it happens in a way that like feels closer to reality elsewhere it you happens know? in very specific situations and those situations are in alpha protocol yeah yeah exactly alpha, well that's another reason why alpha protocol is so good is that yeah. like people actually will lie to you yeah 
you know, um, having unreliable quest givers or they think they know what's they're just wrong. Uh huh. So it's not this world like this dark world full of asshole liars. It's sometimes people just think they have a good idea about something and they're wrong. Mm -hmm. For the most part, when someone says like they they are treating they are like villagers, you know, so they will say something like, oh, there's a monster that comes out at night. I didn't get a good look at it. It comes and steals horses off this path at this specific point. Um, I think, you know, it's a werewolf. And then you go there and you're like, it's not a werewolf, you know, and you like figure <laughs> out what it actually is. Yeah. Um, you can't rely on those things. So there's always like a little bit of a twist. Yeah. It is so, so rare. I think there's only a couple of times in the game where someone says like, hey, there's this kind of monster. You go and there's that kind of monster. <laughs> We're making this sound like house. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 I mean, there's probably a little bit of like yeah, DNA I there. I, I haven't watched house, but. <laughs> I wouldn't be that surprised. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to articulate. So trust us. <laughs> yeah. It's, it ends up actually playing out very well because it doesn't, it doesn't fuck you over. No. You know, like it doesn't like uh, mess with your reward. You're still getting, you know, interesting reward. It just kind of paints this, this world where that is very hostile. You know, people are beset by these forces they don't understand, mm -hmm. you know, and you are doing a very valuable service for them. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so there are a couple of varieties, you know, you have the main quest and the secondary quests, which articulate roughly the same way. They're pretty dialogue heavy. Uh, the Witcher contracts, um, are kind of the template for a lot of these, you know, you're hunting mm -hmm. down monsters that are terrorizing the villagers or, you know, um, causing problems for the city. Um, mm -hmm. and these contracts are some of the only quests that come with monetary rewards, you know, yeah. like occasionally you will loot a body and it will have some crowns on it. Um, but, uh, you end up having to work if you want to have some walking around money, usually. Um, well, it's not just, um, it's like walking around money, but this to me, you know, so many things about the, the setup of the Witcher, uh, avoid like, you know, again, the, the ludo narrative distance world word that everyone freaks out about, but like, so you having, since this is the only thing that you only get paid when you do your job, mm -hmm. um, it's going to take resources to save Siri. Like mm -hmm. if you just, you know, if you are just coming out with your beginning equipment, like you won't you know, you won't be able to defeat the wild hunt. Right. So it means that you can doing this work is justifiable, you know, comparing with like something like fallout four, where like, you know, Hey, I have to go save my kid, but I need to, you know, take all of the glue and, and nails out of every single abandoned building between, you know, here and the city. <laughs> right. Like, so you don't have that feeling of like, Oh, I'm fucking around rather than saving somebody. One, because, they're not like right there. Like you have to gather information and stuff, but two, like it makes sense for you to need to get this, these resources. Like it makes sense within the narrative of the game that you would stop and kill some monsters yeah. because you know, you have to live, you have to be able to buy new weapons and buy supplies and all that jazz. Yeah. And that is remarkable that you are playing as a professional and acting their profession. Yes. Um, it also means that you, you avoid the Bioware problem of like asking for money is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, so in Bioware, uh, and this is started in Baldur's Gate, like games I love deeply, but they have always had this really, really dumb dichotomy where the only way they articulate the difference between good and evil actions is evil gave you more money, but less experience. Good means you eschew a reward, but you gain more experience. Mm -hmm. uh, that sucks. It does. Like that, that, that is a shitty way to do it. Here, nobody expects you to work for free. It's built into not just who Geralt is, but what a witcher is. Witchers yes. never work for free. It doesn't matter how destitute the person is. You have to take a fee. Yeah. And, and the services you're providing, like you're doing dangerous, scary work. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes sense for you to exist in this world. You're not like the chosen one like this paragon that comes around and just to cleanse the world of evil because of like 
four plucky adventurers go to cleanse the world of evil. Like <laughs> you, you exist as a cog in a believable world. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the, the role you're in is actually very interesting. Yeah. You know, so you never have that feeling of just like, why am I doing this? You know, like go gather your own 10 fucking herbs. <laughs> you know, no one asked you to do something they could do themselves. Right. In this game. Like it is all things that require your expertise. Yeah. And like having that be valuable is really good. Like I wish more games would take that lesson and come up with a narrative way for you, reason for you to do things other than just like, well, it's a video game and you have to do video game ass shit. Yeah. So very, very good. You can kind of negotiate up some money. Um, this, uh, this is, I mean, kind of a limp system, but it's such a minor part. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you up your reward. You don't have a negotiation skill. It just, you know, people offer 250 and they secretly will go up to 310. Mm -hmm. And if you ask for more than 310, their annoyance will go up and you get so many ch chances to get, you know, get the right number. Right. Before yeah. eventually they'll say, fuck it. We're going to hire a different witcher. Right. Uh, so just take whatever they offer at 10% and see how they react. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just what you have yeah. to do. I, yeah. I, I end up like always going, you know, I go 50 50 over 40 over until they eventually take it. Yeah. So you you never lose anything by, by negotiating. Mm -hmm. um, and even the way you, neg you negotiate in it, you don't sound cheap. You know, it, it it's again, it's using that expertise. Like Geralt will say like, yeah, that's a dangerous monster. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what this is worth. Yep. Rewards a little light. Yeah. 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 Um, so you have those contracts. There are also scavenger hunts you can do. I only <laughs> recently engaged with this as I'm approaching the end game and I want to get like, a really, really good set of armor like to put mm -hmm. together to get those Witcher gear synergies. Like I'm getting the, uh, the Griffin school set. Oh yeah. 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 Um, and these, like you find notes with oblique, uh, oblique clues, um, to where you need to go, uh, on these like documents and maps. It's not like great. Like you get frustrated getting lost, uh, and figuring out like, but that might be somebody's gem. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently in the DLCs before anybody tells us, this uh these are more interesting quests yeah in the dlcs i've I've read um i did these in order to get uh the full set of the you know, superior cat school gear um which was incredible and also looks really sleek and cool yeah yeah so yeah yep. um really really cool um moving on a little bit to kind of some generalities about uh dialogue and story this is the longest generalities we've ever done i mean it's an entire um, episode of them <laughs> yeah so so by by like quite a bit yeah um, uh, also, talk about burying the lead, because this is what I love the most about this game. Everything up to this point has been wonderful role-playing game systems. The writing in this game, the scenario design, is what makes The Witcher 3 The Witcher 3 to me. Yeah, me too. Like, if, if the, all the stuff coming up to this point had been kind of shit, um, and it'd probably be like The Witcher 1, right? Like, I mean, it, it would be, <laughs> yeah. it'd be like something where this would be like a flawed gem, as opposed to just like a... a you know, a very, very high value a masterpiece. Yeah. 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 And, and Opus. Um, so yeah, the, uh, the dialogue, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but it's, it's worth saying, um, conversations, interactions, stories, things that would be throwaway fetch quests, garbage, uh, in most games are interesting. They're unique. They have a different kind of take on things. Um, you know, nothing feels standard. Mm -hmm. There's a point of view, um, the way even the most kind of like basic villager acts is informed by his circumstances. Mm -hmm. um, you know, everybody has a tick. Everybody has, you know, uh, a particular complication that they bring to the fore, you know. And yeah, like there are NPCs who if you, you know, talk to them, they'll just say, oh, nice weather day. Those are just chaff. 
Like they, they yeah. exist in there. Well, you can't you, usually, you know, you just click on them. You never get into the uh, dialogue interface. That's right. You know that's, it's not important. That's what I mean. It's not like yeah. the entire world is teeming with people who have all this stuff. Anybody who is no, no, notable enough to talk to um, mm-hmm. has something worthwhile to say to you, to send you to do or to give you. And you know what other game does that? Torment. Mm-hmm. And that, it's been a very long time since that kind of thing happens. And it never happens in this style of open world game. Absolutely. There's there's not another one of these where I think that's true. Right. Like I defy, you know, who I can't remember one non-companion character from Dragon Age Inquisition, <laughs> like the 20 hours I played of that. Right. You know, they're, like they're just not very good. Like here, there's lots of like little interesting, interesting twists. And it's something that is so valuable. Like the fact that like in Torment, everyone is interesting. Mm-hmm. That's a, a lesson, you know, yeah. learn it. Like that is something I want. Yeah. Uh, everyone who's important, not every single person on earth. You know, or in the in the game world, but everybody who you interact with, right, has something to them. Um, when you talk uh, to people, uh, yellow options in your dialogue move the conversation forward. White are for like flavor, mm-hmm. um, or to get more information. Um, I did all those, which I never do. <laughs> you know, in these games, like I did all of the little side things because I wanted the flavor mm-hmm. of it because it's it's well acted and well presented. Yes. Um, and also, it's fully voiced, but it lets you skip through dialogue when you've read it. Mm-hmm. It so skips it's up to you whether... uh, line by line as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the, the, you know, a good hybrid of that. Like I've talked about my issue with fully voiced games before, like you don't skip over things you don't want to skip over. You can just, if you're in a hurry, you can read and skip. Mm-hmm. If you're, you're sitting back and watching a movie, you can sit back and watch a movie. Yes. Yep. Give me as much as I want and let me decide and show you what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so some of these are going to be, uh, um, are going to be uh, time delayed, as we said. Those almost always end up being the choices with consequence mm-hmm. uh, are places where there's going to be uh, some kind of minor minor branch on the way yes. that and the way that this goes. Um, and what is remarkable about <laughs> remarkable, notable, all these words I overuse. Sorry. Um, <laughs> what's great about this is that um, all of your actions or dialogue choices or decisions come with consequences that are time delayed or time shifted choosing to help somebody early on will determine whether or not they will help you out later and it's not always like one-to-one there's one instance i won't give any specifics where helping one person and doing a measurable good made things immensely worse for somebody else yeah (laughs) yeah and those time delays again you know go back to um like listen to the the episode of like the special episode of the level we did on spec ops Uh uh-huh you know, like having to make decisions with incomplete information is something you do all the time in real life that you never do in video games. Mm-hmm. And I, I respect that so much. Yes. You know, it's very rare that I make a major decision and I know all of the consequences of it. And this will be good or this will be bad. You know, you don't know what's going to happen sometimes. And mm-hmm. th- this models that really, really well. Yeah. Um, the dialogue itself, I think, is really good. Yes. You know, like it, it's, you know, that's going to vary for people. Um, I think that it is... Uh, it doesn't feel like it's wasting my time. No characters don't needlessly repeat themselves. Like it feels natural and, and appropriate mm-hmm. to me. And the characters are all really, really well developed. Uh, you know, the major characters are, mm-hmm. and the side characters are well sketched to where like, you know, everybody feels real enough to make it interesting to watch them talk to each other. Yes. You know, and even if you say like, Hey, this is fantasy boilerplate. I, I, you know, I don't believe that, but I know there are people who would say that like the scenarios that they put you into, um, are pretty much always novel and subversive. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the boilerplate thing too, it just, 
it's 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 such a surprising critique of this to me because again this is you know i think that's maybe when people are comparing this to uh you know they like the great works of western literature you know <laughs> yeah. and i'm not trying to do make the argument on the video game curve but like the closest contemporaries of this are dragon age and bethesda games and i think it is inarguable that the dialogue and scenarios are stronger in this mm-hmm. than those you know the 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 dialogue in skyrim is extremely bad yeah like i like that game i think that's a really fun game i might get it on the switch because i want to play something open world on a portable system which never happens um but i think that dialogue is extremely bad yeah you know, um, and it just, you know, it's it's just when I see that as a critique of this, that like, oh, it's just generic fantasy stuff. Like, I feel like people are kind of looking at it and just making a snap judgment without actually reading it, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you know, also opinion just vary, of course. Right. Yeah, like, I'm not trying yeah. to, like, tell somebody what they think, but yeah. it is and, just an opinion I can't relate to. Yeah. And I don't bring that up just like to set up a straw man that both of us are going to disagree with. I think that there are varying degrees of success, just like in any massive work like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something that I've seen out there. You know, yeah, I've, seen, a, I've seen it, too. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, there are people who think that, like, Fallout 3 is better written than New Vegas. Yeah, you know, like that yeah. that happens, but it's not something I relate to. Right. You know, I, I don't see it. Um, we have to make a brief, uh, moment to talk about romancing in this game. Um, there's a whole, so I mentioned an extra credits video earlier. Um, I think about this, uh, that is about, um, how Geralt is a character, but it's specifically about how it relates to romance mm-hmm. and contrasting this with a fucking Bioware romance thing is incredible <laughs> because there's two major like romantic options in this and they both feel plausible and good and would make sense for the character. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a history there and it would make like his story could shake out either way. Yep. You know, um, and I love the way that it's handled. Like they're both end up being very believable relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the, the first person that you can romance with, I decided like, no, it is time to move on mm-hmm. and went with the second one. And I was very, very satisfied with how that shook out and ended. Yes. Same. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, and <laughs> to, to to highlight specifically why, and and I, I feel bad using this game as a cudgel against Bioware because I know people really really like those games. So understand that we're not saying that specifically to raise peak from you. Um, the way romance articulates in this is not transactional. It is not that you yes. give them something. It is not that you are, you know, feeding kindness points into a meter. Like these are specific choices that you make at the end of you know, several quests, several quest lengths worth of uh, kind of like an arc, you know, um, it is something that, like you said, takes a history into account and again, obfuscates intentions from results. Yes. Um, I have like on the network, I have a reputation about being against like sex and love in video games when it is a side thing. Yeah. You know, like the, the Bioware approach to that, I do not like. And the reason I don't like is because it takes something that I find to be very profound and holy and breaks it down into a video game mm-hmm. uh, thing in a really gross way. Yeah. Uh, and, to and me. Like, like, we, we even like lobbied that criticism against Harvest Moon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like, totally. Which is like, it's very innocent, but also, you know, whether somebody falls in love with me should never be whether I fill up a meter for them, right. you know, and that is gross. Uh, that is a gross thing. That's something I care about a lot in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, a presentation that actually like really bothers me. Yeah. Um, you know, and even in the Bioware games, you know, that I, that I really liked, I've always thought this was pretty, pretty nasty, mm-hmm. you know, as a thing here, it is much closer to, um, you know, like a choose your own adventure style thing. Yeah. Like you are just making, it's, it's all based on choices you're making. Um, this feeds into that characterization bit, um, you know, where you, uh, uh, you know, you get to choose what, what your Geralt is like. 
Um, but it also just avoids feeling like they take something that is very important in real life and treat it with actual respect. Yes. You know, as opposed to uh, just which of this, uh, you know, when a, when a new Bioware game comes out and Bioware's marketing is very, uh, you know, aware of this. You know, there's that joke like the Skyrim, like if you see that mountain, you can climb it and Bioware's, you see that mountain, you can fuck it. Um, <laughs> they present all their companions and people are just like, ooh, I want to fuck this. One. You know, I'm going to I can't wait to romance this this elf and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I totally don't get that. And part of it is because that's shit's super important to me in real life. Yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of like just like I'm going to make this a goal mm-hmm. is gross to me. Yeah. Uh, and, and this game sidesteps it completely. Yeah. And I'll hop in here as somebody who has really enjoyed a Mass Effect game or two or three um, and say that. But not a, not a fourth. Never <laughs> well, a fourth. I, I, haven't, I haven't played Andromeda yet. I, I haven't. I just I, I just know that by reputation. I don't even, <laughs> not, I'm not a non-combatant in that. <laughs> right, right. Um, a lot of those scenes are very sweet. And one of the good things about romance quest lines in those games is you get more information about these characters that you really enjoy, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a way to learn their stories or to learn the motivations behind their motivations. Like all of that is there. It's just that the way that you get there isn't transactional. I know that, I, that I'm making the same point here, <laughs> making the same point yeah. again um, here. It definitely you're, you're saying that there are some good things to it. Too, or there's, there are good things that happen. It's just the path there. That yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not presented as kind of whole humans. They're presented as a couple of different, uh, a couple of different, you know, dialogue trees that like, if you make the right choices, you unlock the cutscene. Um, yeah. or, you know, grossly in like, uh, Dragon Age one and maybe two, you give them the right item enough times. And then all of a sudden bounce chicka wow, wow. Yeah. 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 You're the right item or they like, they just like things and, and dislike certain things, yeah. but that's part of you being kind of like a, uh, it doesn't feel like they like your character. They just like this character likes justice. Yeah. And whenever, like whenever anyone does something that's justice do they get horny? Mm-hmm. You know, like, is that the idea? Like, why isn't why isn't the good aligned character in Dragon Age or Mass Effect like just fucking judges, you know, and just like going to town on magistrates, you know, like that? Like, oh, there's a handsome sheriff who's enforcing the law and doing justice. Like, well, justice is on my list of things I like. So that really turns me on. <laughs> and like, you know, like, the, you know, this is a we're getting but uh, Fallout 4 more or less lifted this from Bioware's model, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I'm, I'm more of a Fallout like fan than I am a Mass Effect fan. So to put it in my own, you know, camp. Right. So it doesn't seem like I'm beating up on something that other people like more than me. Like mm-hmm. I liked Fallout 4 quite a bit. The way it handled romance was pretty dumb, too. You know, it's just filling up meters. This character likes this and dislikes this other thing. Yeah. If you do enough X, yeah. they'll fuck you. Yep. Um, and, and here, like it, it just it's almost it almost breaks down to an epilogue more than anything else. So it's less of a system and it's more of a just kind of a result of a choice that you make within it's, a couple of quests. It's fully integrated into the story. Yeah. Like it doesn't, you know, it, it is part of, it's a big part of your ending. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what, what kind of, what is Geralt's retirement look like? Yeah. Is based into this. It's like, and it's, it's not just kind of a little side thing you can do along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. We should note, um, there are like you do, you, if you want to, you can have sex with prostitutes and stuff. Um, that's a, that's a thing in the Witcher. Like that is a thing in the Witcher and I don't like it. Like I'm not going to defend it. Yeah. It's gotten way better than the first one where you literally collect cards based yeah. on like your conquest, but that's gross. Mm-hmm. And also the scenes where you actually have sex are terrifying and stupid. <laughs> no <laughs> one has done a, a video game depiction of a sex scene that looks I can imagine turning anyone on in a million years. Like the, the kisses that happen. In this. Yeah. The, the, these real dolls mashing their faces together. Yeah. And again, this is all, this is true in, you know, I've looked up, I've seen mass effect sex scenes. They're mm-hmm. also look bad. Like sex scenes in video games don't look good. I don't think. Right. Um, so it's, I'm not saying that's better here. That aspect is better. Mm-hmm. 
It's just it's non-transactional. You're not filling up a meter, and that's huge. Yes. Huge, huge, huge. Huge. Um, let's briefly talk about Gwent. Yes. So neither uh, of us got too into this. It was no triple triad. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, and we can talk about that more when we get our ringer in here. But Gwent is a big deal. It was a big enough deal to make it uh, to become its own spinoff game. Mm-hmm. Which is in beta right now, I believe. It's been in beta for yeah, a while. Yeah, you can, you can play it. It's not there. And I talked to um, Allison, friend of the show, uh, and she said that the spinoff game, like she played Gwent during the main Witcher 3, but the spinoff game makes it too complicated. Ah, shit. Um, so to me, that might be better because I thought Gwent was too simple. Mm-hmm. When I played it, like you have to get a lot of cards to make it reveal any depth. Yeah. I think um, Gwent is, is huge in the game world, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, and seeing that little like the little thing like fancy a game of Gwent. Like uh-huh. I can imagine, you know, Geralt doing it and it's kind of charming, even though I never wanted my Geralt to do it. <laughs> right uh my favorite thing is there's one side quest you can do for uh for for a main secondary character where like there is a black market for rare cards and people yeah you're shaking down people for magic cards yeah it's pretty fun yeah i just i i love the idea that this trading card game has swept has swept the nation in this nation that also doesn't have running water yeah (laughs) (laughs) who's printing these um Yeah, and it, there's also, like, if you like this game world and you've read these books and stuff, like, there's tons of little Easter eggs on the cards. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm sure that's very fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, and cards are, like, modeled after characters that you know and stuff. Yeah, yeah. which is cool. You know, but again, like, nothing's going to be triple triad. Yeah, it doesn't pass the triple triad test whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and, and you know, and and whatever the name of the one from Final Fantasy IX didn't pass that either. No, so. no. So don't yeah. think we're, uh, we're, we're being a, a series chauvinist here. Yes. Yeah. Um, interestingly, they considered other mini games, uh, before they did this, including a drinking game, um, knife throwing and ice skating. Ice skate. I would have killed for the ice skating game. Oh my gosh. I would love that. that. Been, like a, like a rhythm, like a rhythm game for ice skating. Well, just, and just the visuals, uh-huh. you know, of it, just like seeing girl do that would be very funny. Yeah. And that's uh, a, th- that's a nod to the books as well. Uh, ice skating, I guess is important in the books. Mm. Yeah. Um, in the first one, there's a dice poker game that I think is very fun. Hmm. That I kind of wish they had brought back. Dice poker yeah. sounds very fun. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, you roll dice and you make poker hands based on um, the dice that you roll. Hmm. Um, it's neat. Yeah. Um, but we will. We'll, we're going to cover Gwent because it is a big part of the game. We're just going to bring in somebody. We don't know who yet, but that'll yeah. be in a couple of weeks. And yeah. look we, forward to that. We don't want to do it a disservice. Like we don't want to do it a disservice to a portion of the game that a lot of people really care about by saying, "Yeah, not for me." Yeah, but we are going to do a disservice in that we're going to talk about it for like ten minutes with somebody. <laughs> and have them tell us why they like it. And then we're going to go, huh. And then we're never going to touch it. So, right, right. you know, we're going to, we're going to split the difference on that one. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the development of this. We're almost done with this, uh, this episode. Yes. Here. Um, let's, uh, so the, uh, the scale of this game was massive. Um, overall, uh, 1500 people touched this at some point. Yeah. Um, and the development was very, very long as well. Yeah. It was like five uh, years, I think something like that. Yes. Um, a huge part of that effort was voice acting. Uh, it's it was done in 15 languages. They had over 500 voice actors performing 950 speaking roles across a 40, uh, 450,000 word script. Yes, very very intense. The dialogue itself was recorded over the course of two and a half years. Yeah. So part of the reason why this turned out so great, like in some of the discussions we've had in Slack about it too, was just like they had the resources to do this right. Yeah, I you don't know? know where they get the resources. For this. It's uh well, the, like Witcher Two is a relatively big hit, uh-huh. and then uh you know CD Projekt Red is like the same. It's the GOG people, yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Yep. So same. like they run a they run the biggest competitor to Steam, mm-hmm. 
you know, so maybe that's that money is going into this too. Yeah. And now I imagine it goes the other way, you know, because this <laughs> game was 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 such a huge hit, which we'll talk about in a moment. But yeah. um, yeah, I imagine it's money just kind of from that, you know, from that service, like running that that business, and then also maybe where it was made. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be cheaper. Yeah, possibly. Uh, there, like voice acting and things like that. So I don't actually know that, though. Yeah. I'm sure that information's out there. I don't have it. Everything about the scale of every portion of this game is staggering. Like, the voice acting is a very apparent version of that because, you know, that is notably expensive and, you know, notably expensive to record and also notably expensive to um, uh, to program and design around. Yeah. Um, and to see that there's like, yep, yeah, everything will be voiced. No big deal. Let's just do it. Um, yep. Is just a little bit of a bellwether for how much care went into the scale of everything else. Yeah. yeah, the uh, the in-game world is huge, um, we, which we mentioned, uh, but it's also very detailed um, and dense. So everything has been modeled by hand mm-hmm. uh, in this game. And when you go into places, they look lived in and real. Yes. Um, yeah. So no big <laughs> empty houses. Yeah. Uh, this doesn't happen for free. Uh, they chewed through a lot of, let's say, very well-meaning, uh, earnest programmers and developers and designers um, in Poland working on this. Uh, apparently their glass door rating took a hit um, mm. because they, you know, just the crunch was really bad. Like just all of those usual things like, uh, yeah. you know, this had a human cost. Yeah. And that sucks. Yeah. Like we, you know, just because we love the, the product of this means that we're, we're down for that, yeah. obviously. So uh, not done down for that. Right. I know yeah. what you meant. Um, also, there's a fun story on the, <laughs> like, Hey, they probably broke up some marriages, but also, um, a fan wrote in to tell the you know CD project, oh man, The Witcher Two really helped relieve my cluster migraines. So they um love the story so much that they built that person in as an NPC in The Witcher Three. Yeah, pretty cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, other than the uh, un- unsustainable working conditions, right? They seem pretty cute. Yeah. The um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So this is uh, the most awarded game of this current generation. So it has, has gotten tons and tons of rewards. Um, it is, uh, you know, tons and tons of game of the year stuff in 2015. Yeah. So like the landmark release of 2015, and as we mentioned a lot, there are not bad years for games anymore. Nope. Like what else came out in 2015? Bloodborne? Bloodborne. Yep. Yeah. Bloodborne. Um, like this, this was not a, uh, you know, a sweep No. or anything to have that kind of thing. And I, I, this like has made it, you know, that makes sense to me personally as well. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is in, uh, I think this is one of the best games we've done for the show and has probably made it into my top 10. Oh, absolutely. Without um, a doubt for me. Yeah. 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 Top 10, like maybe like five on my number five, mm-hmm. you know, top five. Like it, this is one of the best games I've ever played. So it deserved all the accolades it got. Mm-hmm. Deserves all the sales too. Like massive yeah. financial success sold, sold more than 10 million copies. Yes. Um, and it is, goes on sale with all the expansions for like $20 or so regularly now. And it is, uh, you know, the gift that will continue to give. Yeah. Like it is, it is so much content, uh, if you can put away the the time for it. So this is the last spoiler free episode you can listen to, mm-hmm. um, of this, like we're going to begin into it next episode. If you're listening to this, when you're thinking about dipping your toes in it, um, you know, this is the beginning of our multi-part argument about why you should. Um, and you know, far be it from me to tell anybody like, Hey, don't listen to our show for the two months it takes you to beat the Witcher, but right. uh, because I care more about your experience as a human than I do our numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, if this sounds interesting, you should grab it. Do, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I, re- I recommend this um, with a full throat, which sounds yes. really gross. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you if you get a get the collector's edition, you get the full throat with it. Mm. Otherwise, you have to buy the full throat separately. <laughs> so 
but uh but yeah so that's uh that's all we're covering this episode um next episode we are going to struggle to get through act one in its entirety uh, we'll see god help um, us yeah we next next episode we'll record for two and a half to three hours and we'll see where we end up yeah how about how about that? Yeah, how about, I think that's I think yeah. that is a worthy goal. <laughs> yeah, I th- that, that seems fair to me. That's about what I have in, with for my full throat. Yes, that's, that's about what I can my that's full about, throat can handle. That, that's about uh, all the throat meat that I have. Um, yeah. So if you listen to this, how, how about this? Let, 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 let's make this a sharing incentive. Um, if you listen to this uh, and you're a fan of The Witcher, or you think, hmm, I want to play this, and you know somebody who you're trying to convince to play this game, uh, we were hmm. relatively glowing. Pass it along to them. Use this yeah. as use this as a wedge to get people to play this game uh, because yes. I didn't play this until just now. Um, like as we're speaking, I'm playing it right now. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, other people, this might be true for. Uh, this is a this might be a good piece of persuasion. Yeah, yeah, and maybe you know uh, a lot of people. This was a, a hugely popular game. Like a lot of people probably have played it. So this kind of um, you know trying to convince people to get into it may seem a little strange to some people. But I just I know so many people anecdotally who you're just like, I don't have the time for that. Uh-huh. You know, uh, and they're just like, I can never have the time for it. I just, this is, I'm so sympathetic to that. <laughs> like, I've, I've never been more sympathetic to an I, argument than oh, like, I, I don't have time. I lived that life for two years, Gary. There were two yeah, years I, where I could have, ha- where I could have played this game, but I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And I, I live it on the, I, on the regular now. Uh-huh. You know, like there are things I'm not playing now because of that time thing. Yeah. This is our statement that this is worth m- making it work. Yeah. You know, what you have, whatever you have to do, move it around. Um, I found this very, very rich and rewarding. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm probably going to start the DLC sooner than later because fuck it. Like it is yeah. talking about it is making me want to play it more. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll be back uh, again. Uh, act one, um, act two and contracts, uh, side quest and Gwent. That's the idea. And if you have things to say about The Witcher 3, not the expansions, hit us up at December by December 15th. At duckfeed.tv slash contact. Um, if you want to support this network and help us uh, do more stuff like this or the other shows that we do on our network, uh, all those shows you can find at duckfeed.tv, consider going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and kicking us a couple of bucks a month um, or however much you are able to give. Um mm-hmm. And one of the words, one of the rewards you can get, uh, is a thanks on air. Yeah, 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 indeed. Um, so yeah, so we're going to thank some people on air. Yeah. yeah. How about Garrett Galuska? Yeah, thanks, Garrett. Yeah, we met Garrett. Oh, that, that that Garrett. I did not know Garrett's last name. Yeah, Garrett was the one who gave us the axes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which will which will be moved around, and <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, where those end up. But thank you, Garrett. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, Ethan Diggs. Thanks, Ethan. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Also, thank you, Teresa Saunders. Yeah. Uh, always been a big fan of that last name. Thank you, Teresa. Uh, thank you to Chris Gomez. Appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you to Zachary Dean, the person yeah, who I... inflicted Metal Gear Solid 2 on you, Gary. Yes. And I talk to Zachary on Twitter from time to time. <laughs> yes. uh, and I'm slow. I'm metting out my revenge over the ages. Uh, so, yeah, that's not true. Um, but yeah, thank you, Zachary. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you, everybody who gives on Patreon. It, uh, you know, makes a huge difference for us. It you know, literally makes it possible for us to dedicate time to our project, like playing and covering The Witcher at such length. So, yeah. Yeah. Which was not, you know, we're already done with that. I mentioned how in my head. It was not a... a you know, without consequence and cost to do so. You know, it took a long time. Yes. Um, happy to do it, but uh, it's not uh, unconsiderable. Right. 
Um, yeah, so I think that's probably about it. I think so, yeah. Um, so until next time, what should they watch out for? Um, they should watch out for Igni. Watch out for any. We can't use that every time. <laughs> I we know. Use it, we, get, we get once. Hey, you know, you, you, you got to grab the low hanging fruit before you get the high hanging fruit, you know? I'm, I'm saving up for who is dog tallow. <laughs> <laughs> so my, the, one of the funniest moments in this game is when uh, Siri is scraping the dog tallow out of a wolf while that, while that kid watches in that first flashback. Uh-huh. It's like, <laughs> hold on a moment. I need to render the render Lassie uh, <laughs> unto parts.